Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. Hello, our lads. We've just had a, a fun pre-show there, um, both for our video and audio listeners. Lots of bonus content in there. JP was telling family members about watching The Wire. We were we went on a tour of, uh, of Enfield virtually via Google Maps. Lots of fun to be had. Yes. <laughs> we we definitely didn't find the WWE Performance Center in Enfield on Google Maps. We definitely didn't go onto um, Google Google Earth and try and work out exactly where it is. We saw a Halfords thirty-one um, apparently. Yep, yep, thirty-one. Pretty anonymous stuff. And saw a police people... car. Not saying anything. Not saying it was to do with anything. There was just a police car there. Yeah. And we're definitely saying, that, you know, don't go and rate and review it on Google Maps. You know, we're, not, we're not saying that. <laughs> you know? We don't bear responsibility for maybe the flood of Fonstar reviews. Sorry, John Brown. None. <laughs> but it exists. In for now. Curious. And and I'd say on a personal level, I'm I'm happily justified that it is exactly where I thought it was all along. <laughs> and it's bleak. It's oh. absolutely bleak. It's it's kind of like it's it's very it's almost dystopian mm. that kind of like it's uh, like industrial estate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's exactly how you picture it. Everyone, we'll have to. I was saying on the pre-show, JP, we'll have to go down to like next time. There's a big your call show or something. Well, there's one coming up next month, isn't yeah. there? Any kind of London show, I feel like it's got to be like a just something you got. It's a pilgrimage. Just get to Enfield and get to those lovely grey gates. You know, if that was the right building. And if if it, if it is that, there's two stations you could go to. You could go to Southbury Station, or you could go to Bushill Park. So basically, if you get yourself to Seven Sisters or Liverpool Street, you hang all the way through, go all the way through Hackney and Bethnal Green, and and all the way up through there, which is handy if you're going to York Hall afterwards. There's a train directly to Bethnal Green from there. Mm. So I'm not saying that the whole thing is doable, but if you get yourself to York Hall or Cambridge Heath, um, yeah. <laughs> then then you could go and, and kill two birds with one stone. There's fuck all else to do. There's a big Morrisons nearby, but that's basically it. JP's London knowledge is undefeated. I can't like people, people I don't know if you're the same in Liverpool Garrett, but people say like, oh, it's on this street. I'm like, I don't know. Tell me what pub it's near. That's all I know. <laughs> JP so when we did the we did episodes before where JP just give you literally like the, the whole like <laughs> you mentioned a pub he's like oh yeah that's on this street you go down here yeah or even like down to dark stuff where we were talking about like, the seven seven bombings and stuff and jb's like oh yeah i used to work on that road if you go down there and turn left there this is where you end up you are that you are mr london jp uh, it's when i get my most geezerish mm. it's uh I, I haven't got my I, I should get the flat cap out for this one but no um <laughs> it's kind of and in some ways like as an industrial estate it doesn't have the charm of where around oberhausen mm. Like, does it like which, we by the way, Oberhausen now has mm-hmm. a sushi restaurant? I saw somebody post this on Twitter this week, JP. So, you know, there's uh, there's more options than just the burger king, the kebab van, and the McDonald's hey, <laughs> sushi restaurant, like, like a bit of sushi. Given the area, mm. like, do people even live around by the turban haller? Just thinking of it, I don't remember many houses around mm. that particular part. So, like, a sushi restaurant, however, when they're getting the imports back in from Japan. It appears to have that very much in mind, doesn't mm. it? There you go. More reason to bring that over. Sushi Mako Satamora has just timed this awfully. Because mm. remember that time we saw her in the McDonald's as well? She's had that. She's had the shite fucking <laughs> travel lodge breakfast. Yeah. She missed out at the time when there's a Japanese restaurant, which let's 
face it, I can't see this. It looks like more of a Japanese chain restaurant. So I don't know whether or not it's going to be up to mm. snuff, but it's either that or a kebab, isn't it? Or a McDonald's. There There's- you go. Am I going to get on um, if I go like a vegetarian? <laughs> You've got to struggle, mate. You know, no, no. <laughs> am, am I going to be eating chips for every meal? I think chips from McDonald's <laughs> is the best you're going to do, mate. I think that's it. Mate, <laughs> Any vegans been to Germany? It's a good McDonald's in Germany, but you know, I mean Germany in general. Yeah, looks Berlin. Really... I went to Berlin and like I was doing like a vegan thing at the time. There was loads of options, obviously being like a big hipster city and stuff like that, but. Oberhausen. Don't know if it quite um, appeals to that demo. <laughs> it's the um, the shopping center <laughs> is the main is the main thing you go to. Mm. Like if you're wanting to do anything like that, but like because there's been times where like we'd be there, and it's just like I'm, you need to see vegetables. I can't just eat stodge like mm. like this permanently. Um, and then you end up yeah, you can end up getting stuff there. But yeah, it's not a it's it's not a it's not a hipster part of town. Mm. Is is Oberhausen. That's it for all saying that she survived, bit- so. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. yeah I mean, you'd survive a few days there better than you would a few days at the Performance Centre, let's just say that. Um. See, the Oberhausen Mackies does a cracking veggie burger, Gareth. So. <laughs> Little Matt for a few days. Oh, there's a, there's a review on this uh, W Performance Centre site. <laughs> for, like, should we say a, a Simon M? No, that's too obvious. S Mulvaney said, uh, was looking for a trampoline park and was told this was not the way. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! Oh, wonderfully niche stuff. Uh, the reviews get Glorious. darker than that. Everyone, um, <laughs> Christ, mainly the yeah. one where like some some innocent person has put five stars. WWE is very good, so you know, one like as well. Um, <laughs> What's the name of the trampoline shop again? Oh, I don't know. Um, Rob Dean Two Extremes oh, Trampolining t- Well. <laughs> <laughs> or is that just Birkin Ed? Has he not got like a whole like, set of them? <laughs> oh Franchise my God. <laughs> it's a bleak place. Unless you just want to call it Enfield. There you mm. go. There's a there's a title. There's it's a title a, idea for the, the podcast. Uh, mate, knock down a, they knocked down a football stadium. Mm. It was like next to a school, the Enfield football ground. They built a fucking, like a load of like steakhouses mm. and built a multiplex cinema where people, those people would bunk off to just to go like there back in the day. Are you one of them? Fucking shit. No, I wasn't. I was a good lad. <laughs> I wasn't really. I was, wasn't going to. I was going to say bollocks. <laughs> I was, I was going to Wood Green. I, I've got a story to tell you about my dad when Ireland used to play on Wednesday afternoons and he'd write me sick notes so I could go and meet him in the pub. Mm. And then I'd just take the badge off the blazer and the tie off and it just looked like I'd come back. So I'd put at least a little bit of stubble back then. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and watch those guys. Um, I digress. <laughs> um, yeah, so looking at here on, on the, what like- is the name of that tram? Jump in, jump in trampoline. Okay. Parks. We've given them some business today, haven't we? <laughs> As well. Apparently there's a diner near there called the Redburn Diner as a takeaway. <sighs> Hopefully we run the show. Maybe we can all go down and get some mark photos. Yeah, sounds fun. Maybe there is there's three lads in a purdy van. Oh, mate, it's just a stall that says breakfast, lunch, freshly made sandwiches, and it's just a load of lads having burgers. Like <laughs> it's just, it's exactly what. Have you any of them got beards and look vaguely Scottish? Ah, oh, it's just yeah. There's yeah. There's there's some there's some great images on there. So if you want some fun, go around the industrial estate there. NXT UK is. <laughs> The reason why we say Brit Rest is dead. 
I want to. I want to do it, lads. I want to do the. I want to do the DX invasion recap and do like <laughs> we can just. Uh, you know, we can we can hire a you know like a, a kid's toilet tank. It, it definitely wasn't a tank, so mm. we can like hire like an old like Land Rover from the eighties or something like that, and just like I don't know, get like an get like a cardboard tube that an architect would keep his bloody you know drawings in or something like that and pointing towards it with a big grapple logo on the side what do you reckon go and bang on the air shutters <laughs> and like it, there's also an argos if you want to get some smaller tanks to just go on by as well that's not that far away <laughs> yeah, so. it'll, it'll be oh, like don't, a... don't, don't go in one of them you'll get booked you'll be on nxt you'll, <laughs> you'll be uh you'll be there with shotty black art coming out in your pissy little toy tank and uh, trying to pass that off yep. as a personality <laughs> no you want to do it properly because that's the thing like remember when tna did it and they sent like road dog and like uh who was it road dog and conan and, and maybe billy gunn as well trying to like crash into the tv show and, like yeah <laughs> they just all three like, live like crew, oh, all right lads good oh, always three live crew wasn't it with ron killings as well yeah which uh gareth had a great time putting on the app this week um but yeah like it's uh, <laughs> what are they called the james gang as well they got a few different names that was like the budget version of uh, the dx invasion yeah that was me definitely like just press submit and put it on i'm like no no i've got to go through here line by line and make sure that i've got the uh i don't overlap and call it the james gang when actually it was three live crew at that time or something like <laughs> it's that. the like, attention to detail like, everyone you get on grapple none of this on case don't start <laughs> don't start going on grapple and pointing out all the errors and also brain work like this yeah. <laughs> why does my brain work like this just just hit submit it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> Five people are going to rate it anyway. People aren't clamouring to watch the James guy. <laughs> uh, I don't know, mate. The, the majority. Yeah, I thought back then. Matty Edwards. Mm. Yeah, we'll have him on. We're going to do some kind of, like, got to do some TNA retro content now at all up there. But I thought they were great at yeah. the time. Voodoo, I... Voodoo Kin Mafia. Oh, that's one of the worst names of all time, yeah. yeah. Well, like, I feel like they could have come up with any three words that could have gone in place of EKM. But I was very high on Ron Killings at the time. I thought he was a future big star in wrestling. Now, it turned out he kind of was, but not in the way I thought. But he's still around now. Still looks exactly the same. So, What, what a run he's had. Mm. Like his run, and it's not going away anytime soon. Mm. It looks like, like of all the people, there's, there's Roman Reigns and there's him. And you go, mm. no, those lads are staying, like to the very to the bitter end. They're mm. there. Um, no, Jeff. Um, sadly, he's gone. Now it's been it's 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 out there and reported. Now again, I'm not saying that he could find another billionaire, uh, son of a billionaire who likes reading PW Torch. Or something like that, just to to kind of rival this and see if he can uh, create his own wrestling company. But again, that would be kind of great if that happens. So, yeah, don't want fingers and pies. Fingers and pies. He'll be. He's on TNA, mate. How can't he talk, Jared? Fair enough. He's like he's like talking about the Bible and not mentioning God. Like he's kind of pretty pretty integral to the whole fucking thing. We've got to do some Jeff content. We've got to like got to do something. Coming up, mate, I, I spent a lot of hours working on that mm-hmm. while looking at sketchy video footage of Terry Funk. Um, <laughs> like some of the worst video quality stuff that, that I've seen in quite some time. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Which we, we should talk about that, yeah, on the Patreon. Yeah, we had, yeah. Uh, we did. Well, before we get- show up on. on- Sorry. Before we get to that, I was going to say, like, on the, on a, <laughs> where do you go? <laughs> I 
funny subjects we're going to hit in 30 seconds. It's true. It's true. It's true. Right. Fuck you, Ronnie. <laughs> Well, one thing we didn't mention. Speaking of the Patreon, there is there is a link there. We were talking, we were meant to mention it on the pre-show, and we haven't. For, for the footy season is running and uh, is starting up at the uh, the end of this week, and we've got uh, some football related content coming this week as well. Yes, we're doing an FPL draft episode <laughs> on Thursday night live on YouTube. I didn't realise it'd be me say, saying that one on there. Very excited! If you haven't already, we've got a grapple league up again. So mm. join. Um, Team names, what have you guys gone with? Is it FC Shiva again? It will be for me. I'm not that creative. Gareth? What is that, Benno? I always wonder what this is. It's uh, it's just it, it's a reference to the league, uh, the Shiva ball. It was a whole uh, thing on FX, yeah. I wish, I wish, honestly, I wish there was a better name. I was Dylan Panthers for a while, um, which uh, <laughs> which some might get the reference of, but other than that, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not one for these pun names, unfortunately. I've never, I've never uh, had any good ones. Oh. Is that is the league good? Like one of my mates was always like tipping it up to me as something that I should be watching. Maybe it was I don't know if he was just tipping it up to me because he just knows how big I'm in the fantasy league. Is it actually good? Is it actually worth my time? Um, it was at the time. I, I don't know if it will have aged well. I, I remember thinking it was like the best comedy. There are bits of it where it's like you know it translates because you know there are a funeral or something and one of them really just wants to get the fancy football team done. Um, like little things like that. I know you like your American football anyway, so there are things that translate, but it's one of them. It's funny for like two seasons and then uh, quite quickly runs its course. Um, good show. I think it's all on Netflix. That's on there. That's on there. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd want to watch the whole thing. This is the thing about you being a completist as well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 where it becomes a problem but no like yeah we are um like i say we're gonna you know obviously the uh the grapple public league is open um uh, if anyone wants to join the uh, the grapple fancy league uh, f- for this season if you were in it last year you'll be auto renewed and, and in it anyway but yeah it is as jp said on a thursday night nine o'clock we're saying aren't we lads we're going to be uh going live on youtube and we're doing a uh, maybe kind of part like fantasy football kind of you know preview of, it's uh, of what's the weekend yeah, it's kind of like more about kind of chat about the the, the some of the ongoings like Premier Leagues, but just us talking football, mm. really, which um, we don't mm. often get enough of a chance to do. That's uh, it for this. But and while, and yeah, while it, we're there, we'll be doing like a, a draft league as well, which we're there. In limited places where we're going to have all ten teams. A couple of like people we know are going to be in it, and we're going to have a couple of our kings of the mountain um, joining us as well. We might have one or two spots if anyone takes fancy football particularly seriously and uh, and wants in from our from our patrons. Uh, let us know, but those uh, those spots are, are filling up fast. But yeah, it's uh, it's always fun. The draft. I was in one with Gareth last year, and uh, and some of your workmates was it, where I maybe might have cost you the league towards the end of the season. People might have heard me talking about it's uh, it is all good fun. Fuck off. <laughs> Still hurts, mate. <laughs> Man, you're deadly serious about this. For those people who don't know, like, there are times where, like, Gareth is is seething, like, mm. last year. About, mm. like, he was, he was, you know, wasn't you're happy. A fucking goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> the hatred you had for Emmy Martinez towards mm. the end started to become, frankly, unreasonable, Gareth. Mm. I think it's the only way to describe it. You just absolutely <laughs> loathed him because he was this great bargain you never picked up on. <laughs> I just need to. I do, I do take it. I, I do take it seriously. It does consume my life. Mm. It does. Um, it definitely, um, it's definitely one of those things where I think I just like gave it a break for two years and I started to just actually enjoy watching football again, and then then mm. got sucked back into it and 
ruined football for me forever. And now, yeah, it is just a, just my Saturdays and Sundays. It is just statistics and numbers again. And who gives a fuck how good the game was? It's all about who got the assist, wasn't it? At the end yeah. of the day, it's the important. <laughs> That's all we're asked about. I need to get I need to get my head in like fancy football mode. I need to like yeah like uh, or football mode in general. The fact that the season's coming back on Friday night, just like oh, I need like a right. few more weeks off. I need a couple of months before I can. We just finished the Olympics. We've had the Euros, the Olympics. I know you boys aren't interested in this stuff, mm. but like I've been watching some of the Lions tour. Watford had a great run in the hurling until I got fucking, well, soundly beaten by Limerick on Saturday. That was chastening. Mm. And there's been things like the, the cricket's been back in full force. Mm. It's just like sport on all the time. I don't really, if you're a sports fan, you can't complain. Mm. You really can't complain at the end of the day. And if you're a sports and a wrestling fan, then fucking hell, like it's a struggle. Mm. putting out way trying to fit, fit all of this stuff in thank god for phones mm. this is why i watch la liga because you don't do a fantasy league in la liga so i can actually watch and just enjoy the football and just mm. enjoy it for being football as opposed to the uh the daily stresses of the uh of... is the league not coming to an end now Messi's off <sighs> well it's uh could be the new dawn jp as a uh, Maybe it's the uh, maybe it's the thing that it needed. Maybe it's the uh, hanging on to past glories a bit too long. Maybe misses the uh, Randy Orton of the uh, situation, and maybe it's time for a uh, a few a few Ricky Pooges to come in and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's no Randy Orton. Like, no, you're joking, Randy. aren't you? Everyone tells me that Randy Orton's the uh, greatest of all time. <laughs> Matty. <laughs> maybe not everyone yeah yeah he said it JBL said it's a mixtape of it won't he that's what, we'll end, that's what we'll end up with it's a mixtape after the Triple H reign of terror it'll be like the fucking Randy Orton mania matches and just be like head in hands going that's half an hour I'm not getting back that's never, that's never even going on a pole no because <laughs> it'll fucking win <laughs> yeah. that is an issue yeah 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 you can't really protest too much about this stuff but yeah Messi's gone is another reason to hate PSG who mm-hmm. are easily hateable in the first place financial fair play clearly isn't really much of a fucking thing in in um, Ligue 1 um, and it'd be great like just if they didn't win the French League again if a Lille happened again or something that'd be so much fun just to see PSG fuck up but yeah, messy in tears. I don't know. Maybe you'll have to pay some tax in France as well. That'll probably be the <laughs> issue here. I did see today, like the, the media just camped outside his house. Like Sky News literally had the headlines, like Messi appears outside house. It's like, yeah, that's where he lives. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Messi yeah. takes shit. <laughs> yeah. Messi is the Randy Messi Orton of uh, footy. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> who is he? Who is who is the uh, the Leo which wrestler? Which wrestler is who is the Lionel Messi of wrestling? Who's like been? I mean, because Orton works because it's like one company his entire career. You know, like is he Triple H? Maybe it could be Triple H too. No, no, like it. I, I mean. Uh, I mean, Triple H, Triple H, he obviously had his WCW run, didn't he? And, yeah, the early know, on. 
messing about the uh, Newell's old boys. So, mm. but, I mean, you can see Triple H and Nob been there very <laughs> close to each other with the uh, Newell's old boys badge. But, um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't fit? It needs it, it does need to be that one mm. brought in at a young age. And uh, I think it, it all works. You know, it does. I, I think it's, it hurts, but it works. John Cena. I was thinking Cena. <laughs> Oh yeah, like, okay, weird. yeah. Cena, I can more agree Paris with being Indiana great. Is is Paris Hollywood? <laughs> That's early <laughs> enough. Hey, look, look at those look at those numbers in those house shows. Mm. They're going up all down to him. Like you know, let it not be said that the man is not a star. Which, by the way, I did see Suicide Squad um, this week, and I'd highly recommend it. Mm. It's a good job. Anyway, if you're looking just for like, it's over long. It's not a perfect film. Really good fun, mm. like for what it was. I went and watched it with my sons, and it was just like, ah, oh, this is great. Like mm. just a nice, easy watch. And then, um, but Cena himself, Cena's just hits it pitch picked. Mm. Of for those of you who've seen the boys, he's kind of like Homelander, but without any superpowers. Mm. If you can imagine that, he's just like incredibly arrogant. And there's a very him and Idris Elba play off very well. There's a there's a bit where he's kind of dancing in a nightclub and he's wearing like kind of tight pants and he's his his HBO series will be very fun. His comic timing mm. is just absolutely spot on. Like he's really come a long way. Um so yeah. Good on him. Good on you, John. He's hey. won me round in the end. Couldn't stand the fucker in the early 2000s yeah he was good in Fast 9 as well and I saw him got some bad reviews for it but overall I thought he was one of the, the better parts of the film um, I was laughing at it WH was uh, was watching uh, was watching Fast and Furious this week there might be might be some kind of a review uh, coming soon another another uh, quick Patreon plug there potentially um, but yeah like it just made me laugh because like I don't know who pointed that out but like if you watch the uh, if you watch Fast and, Fast and Furious 9 they have like a Vin Diesel and John Cena are supposed to be brothers, which straight away there's problems with that. Like, I mean, that's, I don't think they're the same anything, like, which is just odd. But then when they're younger, Vin Diesel's like a proper wrestler because, like, Vin Diesel's got like put stuff in his contract about he can't lose fights on screen. Like, him and Rock, like, there's there's, there's, there's the scenes they've had in previous films where like they've both got it written into the contract. They can't possibly lose. It's full on Hogan stuff. But like, in all of the flashbacks, Vin Diesel's like three foot taller than John Cena. And it's like, I'm pretty sure in real life that's definitely not the case. Like he's a proper short ass as Vin Diesel, but hey, these these big egotistical stars, you know, that's just uh, just how they are. That's Tom Cruise style behaviour there as well, isn't it? Mm. Of like having to stand on boxes and stuff like, <laughs> mate, they're a couple of kids, aren't they? Yeah. Has anyone told them like films are a work? <laughs> they need not time. real. Batista should have You're a word. Pretending to be. Yeah, you see those words on there. You're not really that person. It's not about you. Someone's not been following you around and writing down what you say and, and creating wacky scenarios for you to jump in. You're pretending to be this lad. Mm. Like, fucking... Uh, also, as well, I'd say about Vin Diesel, The Rock doesn't seem like the kind of person who I would say is argumentative. Mm. He seems like a generally nice bloke, which makes me more doubt that this is a Diesel problem, isn't it? Rather mm. than a than a... Nah, he's got his own issues though he has got you know the way he likes to be presented in films and stuff There's like Hollywood Dwayne like even down to I think it was Barry Lad he knows it's worth pointed it out on Twitter this week like have you ever seen a film with The Rock in it where he's actually kissed someone like I don't think he's ever done like like a love scene in a film like that that's like 
that must be written into his deal somewhere where he doesn't want to do any scenes like that or something. I don't know. Like, maybe protect his, his big hard man image or something like that. He had, like, a love interest in Hobbs and Shaw, but they never actually kiss on screen. Like, I think there might be something to In his to new that. one in, in Jungle Cruise, is it not set up? Mm, maybe. Not maybe that could be the breakthrough. Him and Emily Blunt at the end. Mm. Um, what He's about, the like, the kind of early stuff like Shortland Tales? which is awful. When he was trying to be like a serious um, actor when he like lost like 300 pounds of uh, <laughs> muscle and he was tiny back then. Maybe then. It, in fairness, it was the follow-up to Do- to Donnie Darko. So he probably thought, yeah, I'm onto a good thing. And it's just like, it's an mm. absolute mess of a film. Just mm. a complete mess. No sense. And then he did the, um, oh, well, the breakout one was, it was the sequel to Get Shorty, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. That yeah. he did. And he played, played like an actor and a cowboy. Mm. Oh, here we go. He does kiss Emily Blunt in Jungle Cruise. Sorry oh, okay. to spoil it for you. If you <laughs> couldn't guess what's it. happening at the end of Jungle Cruise, right? There's not a, there's not an edited version of Jungle Cruise where they've got a seven style ending. With Emily Blunt's head in a box or something, is it? It's like no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh well, and yeah, because in the chat there, yeah, in Hobbs and Shaw, he does kiss, but it's like it's more of a jokey type of thing. I don't know. I just feel like yeah, I could see Rock being like, him and Satan. <laughs> yeah, well, you know it's uh, progressive, isn't it? Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, he's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, if he's going to run for president, they women well, in so. love, isn't it? That scene they were going at, it, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, well, we might review that one day. But yes, there might be uh, other other things we mentioned there coming to to film club one day. I mentioned at the weekend as well. My mum went to see. Um, uh, she watched on Netflix that new Batista zombie film, and she was raving about it. So you know, there oh. might be a, might be a film club in there. In that one day, but um, but yeah, before we get into this, your mum, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what, she might do it, she might be up for it. <laughs> she loved Batista, she said he's very good, and she got his name Did wrong. She like Batista, she was like that Bautista, Baptista bloke. Was it is his, his name Dave Baptiste? And I was like, yeah, close enough, Dave Baptiste. That's that's who it is. <laughs> would, she have, would she have guessed that in the early 2000s? True, it's easy, big name, household name. He's made like it. it's when she goes to you. I'm. Do you want to watch June? Dave, Bapti- Dave Julio Baptista. <laughs> like, get in. Oh, when you pass the mum test, you know you've made weapon. it. <laughs> he has. Mm. Yeah, she'll be, watching all, she'll be watching Stuber next, won't she? Oh, don't watch that. Terrible. I went to see that at the cinema. Wouldn't recommend. Um, but there you go. We got Dave uh, ba- Baptista Film Club might uh, might well be coming soon. But yeah, as you mentioned before, JP, we did uh, this week for our our patrons. We had uh, King of the Mountain, Carl Gach, on with a fantastic uh, second choice for him as uh, as King of the Mountain in uh, in Terry Funk in ECW. And uh, yeah, we were talking about it. You know, uh, Gareth, uh, <laughs> you went back and watched the entirety of Terry Funk's ECW run, if not career. Uh, but you know. Did your homework, but you uh, you carried that well. It was a it was a very good grapple Garrett performance. Well, it's one of those things you kind of like. I don't know. I started with the intention of like, yeah, I just need to like, you know, be efficient here, mm. watch the things I need to watch. But then I just can't. You've got to dig. You've got to get in there, haven't you? You've got to get into the weeds. You've got to mm. think about the consequences of the uh, the, the little things and the impact and the, uh, things. So like, I thoroughly enjoyed myself just like getting lost in a. You know, a three-year window of Terry Funk for 
you know for my entire weekend this weekend so yeah definitely uh definitely enjoyed that one and it was uh it was a good crack it was good having carl on for the whole show as well obviously with him picking the topic and he was coming it from like his different angles and different you know you know his thinking behind certain parts of it and the things that had like I don't know, motivated him to you know watch ECW around that time things like that you know it was one of them where I kind of like we finished recording last night I went to bed and I was lying there thinking yeah it was a good show that one kind of thing you know sometimes you just have one of them shows where you're just like thinking yeah I'm really pleased how that went and it was uh, it was a it was a good one if you haven't listened to it yeah give it give it a listen proud of that one no, no good, Gareth you put it you put in a Terry Funk style performance, didn't you? Like, like, hey, oh, I, 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 all right, mate. I know I'm fucking older than you by um, <laughs> eight days. <laughs> I, I know I'm 43. This give week, it two more days, mate. Yeah. Week to, <laughs> you, you've got a week. You've got a week on me. To, at least you call me. At least you call me Terry and not Dory. I am the Dory to your Terry, aren't I really? Oh, <laughs> oh, hey, mate. Dory was looking good when we watched that bar by match, wasn't he? JP against Public Enemy. You know, he wasn't taking any real bumps. But he was hitting some good punches and forearms. Tell you what, he was—he uh, looked at he, home in the uh, in the barbed environment. He wasn't looking as good as Bill Goldberg at the same age now. Oh, fuck that, <laughs> Jesus! That legit incredible. Yeah, the Dory Funk Junior in that match—the same age as Goldberg. Now, mm. the only similarity is both men are bald. Mm. Like that really is where the similarities end. Yeah, fair fucks to him mm. for just doing that. Mm. Um, God, Terry did a lot. For in in ECW, so have a list. There's like there's there's so much kind of stuff you can go into mm. with it as well, which we did. Um, so yeah, have a listen to that. That was that was really great fun. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking here. Then if, 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 if I'm Tori and your Terry is Benno Cactus Jack, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Bit of hardcore, you know, death matches. He's into that. Eh? I think so. Death Richard. <laughs> oh no, I'm back. <laughs> it is. Uh, taking those chairs to the head that's, that, that, that'll be him oh, can it be Eddie Gilbert instead uh, like that was uh, <laughs> that was that was a genuinely fun part actually to what we were talking about it. like I had not really ever gone back and watched like the I've seen bits of the very early days of like Eastern Championship Wrestling but seeing the Terry Funk Eddie Gilbert feud kind of as it as it took place across the TVs and with the, the great Terry Funk promos and, and the matches as well like that that was that was fun that was like a, an education for me yeah, that was a that was the part that I loved because you know everyone's kind of you've you know at the time of a certain age it was all the you know all the later stuff was the was the thing that people go back to that's the stuff that's on your you know rise and fall of ECW DVDs and things like that that the time spent on but the um, yeah that that early stuff that was where I did I did get lost uh, lost in all all of that and I'll be going back and spending spending quite a bit more time there as well in a, not just looking at Terry Funk I think watching the watching some of the other lads there because it was a uh, it was fascinating and stuff loved it definitely definitely so yeah check out our, our patreon for that and jp plenty uh plenty much more going on uh patreon.com slash grapple yeah exactly you got your daily news updates um which are getting more pithier by the week and also well, <laughs> stop breaking news like after midday that would just be handy <laughs> on a personal basis if you're in the states whatever shit you need to get sorted do it tonight <laughs> fuck around all right because i'm getting tired of having to go into stuff, which by that point is kind of out of the news cycle. Mm. Sorry, personal gripe. Uh, we also have the weekend preview <laughs> as well. Um, which again, though, we did that on Friday, JP, and it was like, oh, there's not much to talk about here. And it was literally, 
in the middle of the Fuck. night. <laughs> Although the news were about to talk about started to break. Oh, I'm livid. Mm. Always yeah, the way. Podcast was cares. Yeah. Oh, I was very, uh, very upset again to see that when I woke up. I've just like, oh, for fuck's sakes, <laughs> like all, all of that stuff. Some of those shows we could have, we could have cut a few of them off to go in, like into, into these releases, but no, but yes, um, have a, have a, have a listen to us, uh, on there as well. And also you can hear the pregame. Um, we had the pre- a very fun pregame today, like we said. Um, and if you're on the, uh, £5.50 on the Greggle tier, you can listen along to it. Now, obviously, you're going to need to do the work yourself of putting WWE Performance Centre if you wanted to. It's up to you. I take zero responsibility. But again, if you want to put that into Google Maps and have a look and play along, then I'd recommend you do that. There you go. I'm expecting to be 20 more reviews on there by the time that this podcast finishes. Uh, apologies to John Briley. Um But yeah, uh, patreon.com slash gravel for all of that. And yeah, as we said before, we will be doing a, a bit of a, a fantasy football uh, podcast on Thursday slash uh, live draft uh, with some of our Kings of the Mountain and a, a couple of other uh, patrons who will uh, be in our league. So that'll be free for all um, Thursday night at about nine o'clock. Um, so yeah, look out for that on the, uh, on the Grapple YouTube. But yeah, let's get into it. And we touched on it there. It was uh, news did break since we did the, uh, the weekend show on Friday, JP. And I don't know, I feel like this is a Patreon tie-in because we did the the rise and fall of NXT, didn't we, as a Patreon show about a month ago? And we got to the end, and we were like, oh, we could have gone, a, you know, we could have gone a bit more time there. Or you know, we'll we'll come back to it at some point. We'll do like a a part two one day, you know, when we can talk the rest. I feel like this. I think part two has happened over this weekend. I think the uh, the fall of NXT, the fall and fall of NXT is. Uh, is very much where we are um, at this point. It's, yeah, I think if uh, if there was ever any doubt that uh, that Triple H has uh, lost a bit of power in that company, I think that was confirmed over this weekend. Uh, like I think I heard like a, there was an Observer Radio where Melter was saying, "Oh, you know, Triple H is in the room, you know, when they're making these releases, and it must be, you know, he must be part of it." It's like, nope. Like twenty four hours later, Melter did another audio show and was like, "Yeah, he had no involvement." And you could tell that from the top, like Triple H and Shawn Michaels were probably as uh, blindsided by all of this as uh, as anyone. And yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit of a list. Um, this re- this release list this time. I mean, there's no you know being NXT. It's no like you know Braun Strowman, you know Bray Wyatt uh, style releases. But there's names in there. You know Bobby Fish, um, Bronson Reed, Jake Atlas. There's a couple in there that I had to look. Ari Sterling, which is a uh, What's his name? Um, Alex Zane. Alex Zane. Zane, that's it. Yeah, Alex Zane, okay, great wrestler. Um, he's in that list there as well. Um, Kona Reeves, Leon Ruff, uh, Stephon Smith. I wasn't sure who that was. Tyler Rust, um, who was uh, over in, in Germany last year for, uh, for, for, for like unbelievably like right before the uh, the pandemic. So, saw him in one of his last indie appearances. He went to WWE and he's and he's gone again before uh, we start up again. Um, Zakaria Smith. I'm not sure who that one was. Uh, Giant Z- Jan- uh, Zangier has been released. Mercedes Martinez and Asha Hale, um, also known as uh, yeah Anthony Henry, the uh, former tag team um, partner of JD. Drake and yeah uh, apparently there's going to be more to come 
uh, in the coming days. So podcasters cares. Watch that. Watch that break tonight. But yeah, I think the biggest headline for me is maybe we can get into the the individual names. But you know, there's push commodities in there. You know, Bronson Reed. You know, who's featured on NXT TV. Tyler Rust, who's you know again on on NXT as part of the the Diamond Mine too. Like they were literal like storylines that were happening on NXT and these guys have been pulled I think from uh, from under the feet of a uh, Triple H I definitely won't be doing a, a pity party for him but yeah it is definitely a, a a slant to this uh, story where it feels like yeah Vince McMahon and uh, the various people around him um, are, are doing maybe a bit of a power play here and there's uh, all kinds of rumours coming out about how yeah maybe they're looking at you know going forward a different kind of NXT and PW Insider and Melted did report that yeah the idea was to make it more of a, a developmental again more of a focus on people under the age of 30 more of a focus on tall people um hello adam cole and uh, good luck with your uh, your contract renegotiations mate um yeah there seems to be all change going on over uh, over an nxt i mean yeah what was uh we'll go to uh we'll go to stone cold uh, gareth austin in a second but uh <laughs> people want that but uh with jp what was uh, your reaction to uh, to this news um I'm not entirely shocked at this point when they're doing this kind of stuff because it's very clear what is in play. In mm-hmm. well, it's clear from just a, a cost-cutting perspective. It's the whole idea I, for me. Fundamentally, this feels like the punishment for not killing AEW. This is their punishment. Like it goes. Mm-hmm. It didn't win a war. That's going to bother Vince, regardless at the, at the centerpiece of it. That's it. The way they treated, we, we'd seen see, like signs of this with the way that Karrion Cross was treated, the way that other people from NXT, the kind of random nature of people being put on dark. It's it's just like, it, there's no long-term plan at the moment. You mentioned about the storylines, the Diamond Mind, is, how long has that been on TV? A month? And already they lose someone. No real reason as well. Um, it, it it's just a kind of a mess and it feels as well that they're wanting to regress basically back to kind of OVW with that class of Lesnar, Batista, Cena, um, who are Randy Orton. Like that's what they're going back to and they're using Johnny Ace and it's the, it's the, who are the people in the room when this is, is there? It's Bruce Pritchard, it's Johnny Ace, the people who are telling him, you know, AEW shit. Don't need to worry about them. Need to get rid of these small guys. They're not. They're not enough of an attraction, and it, it it's desperate. Like it, it really feels at this point like the emperor has no clothes, and he's doing stuff to spite his own product. And how do you think USA feel about this? I know I've touched on a few different topics there, but there's there's a lot to go in with this because it feels like this is a brand is over. So therefore, what does it become? Does it become NXT Evolve? Does it become the reality show on USA? I don't think they've got the kind of creativity to pull something like that off, frankly. Like, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world in its own weird way, but they can't do it. They're mm-hmm. fucking hopeless at that type type of stuff. Um, so it, it it's this is all very unnecessary. They're going back. He's going entirely back to type at this point. It'll be going back to 93 soon enough as well. That's the kind of thing with Vince at this point. He hasn't got the people who were there in 90, like 95, 96 saying to him, you need to change stuff. You're doing really badly. It's like, that's the only way of it. And instead it's just like a kind of, it's pointless bloodletting. And it's, I imagine 
it's going to be quite fascinating to see what NXT as a product is. Hmm. Like at this point, what's it going to be on like on Tuesday? Is it just going to be an absolute mess and a shit show? I imagine it will be. Hmm. Yeah, there's got to be a lot of um, there's got to be a lot of twitchy backsides there, isn't there? With like this news coming out there, and you know, thinking about this change in focus, change in you know direction. You know, a lot of the names there that were released the other day, there wasn't a huge number on the list that made me think like. Oh, they're massively valuable. They're a huge loss to WWE. There, you know, you know, a huge loss to NXT. There was some that surprised me just on the basis of how recently they'd been signed, and mm-hmm. um, like you said, Benno, like some the push that some of them have had. For example, like a Bronson Reed, who you think, oh, actually, this isn't a vanilla midget. This is actually a big bloke. So it kind of like I, I know he's not tall, mm-hmm. but it kind of you know downfall. just sort of. <laughs> Fly, you know, fly, you know, flies in the face is it's okay. You've got to be tall and you know big kind of thing. Then you, you're starting to narrow cri- uh, criteria a bit. Whereas I think when there's previously been releases, you've maybe looked at a lot of the lads or uh, and girls who've gone, and you've went like, oh, they've had a good run. They've been there eight years, or they've been there nine years, and things like that. And you know, they should have had a bit of money behind them and they're not in exactly in a desperate situation they've got a name behind them a bit more that can go to a tna that can go to an mlw or something like that a lot of the ones now it's you're thinking like fucking hell these people have just been like you know they've, they've, they've only been there for places. five minutes they've, they've uprooted, uprooted the family moved somewhere else and they're, they're, they're out on their ass already without having much of a chance and you know that's the you know a, a, again as I always say, I'm, I'm never going to celebrate anyone losing their job, but that's a WWE gamble, isn't it? You don't, you don't, you don't go, you don't go in there with like, you know, if you go in there with these blinkers and you think you've got a job for life, then you know you're not working in the fucking council in the 1960s, are you? You know, you've got to expect that there's a, you know, there's a there's a time period where it's going to come to an end, and you know you're going to, you know, these calls happen, and you can't work in the WWE forever in, in, in their system forever and you know you know almost like more fool you if you're surprised really is, is the way i the way i kind of kind of look at it and you know literally as i look across the the, the people who've been released there yeah that's people who are you know valuable in their own way are there any superstars there is there anybody who's going to make them catch aw in the ratings is there anyone there are you going to put up to the main mm. roster and they're going to be someone who's going to you know kickstart you know Smackdown or Raw's ratings or something like that? Absolutely not, you know, so it doesn't feel like a loss on that part. I think the the most intriguing part for me is thinking about all these releases that have happened and then thinking about the motive behind it and then there's a lot of obviously the cost-cutting line is one that comes out that we all know is a complete crock of shit because they're making money hand over fist. So, you know, it's 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 got... It's got nothing to do with that. It almost just feels like there is a simplification of the process that's that's going on, and they're just maybe trying to just scale things back and get you know back to basics. Maybe there is that realization of you know what our product's gone to shit here. There's been so many people who we just haven't like invested in properly. We've we've had too many guys up and down, too many guys on TV that we haven't built properly and things like that. Too many people wading through the system in what was set up to be a development system, but then you know became a became a third brand. And you know maybe there is that feeling of you know this has actually become a bit too fucking hard to manage and as a result our products suffered across the across the board here i think you know i think anyone listening to this knows my views on wwe i'm not going to be like flag waving for them ever but it kind of for me it, it unless it's 
this is aligned to some you know thing like a business sale or something like that, which I'm increasingly inclined to think isn't the case. It does suggest to me that there is that something that's gone on internally where they've gone, you know what, we need to change something here. We need to do something because our fucking business, okay, the, the money that we're bringing in is good, but the product that we're delivering is utter shit sort of thing. So we need to, you know, while on the face value they're not going to say that, it feels to me like they've, you know, they've, 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 they've acknowledged that and they've realized that they have to make some like fundamental changes to their system as a whole and, you know, I'm not like excited to see where it goes or anything like like that. It doesn't like intrigue mm. me, but I think change is all you know. When when there is radical change, it's always intriguing to see what happens as a result of it. Personally, I hope it fucking leaves them in the shitter, but you know, it's 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 one of them where at least it's intriguing just to see. Well, well, what will they do with this? How are they then going to approach business in the next six months, twelve months on the on the back of you know, not just the getting rid of these guys, getting rid of your you know, Bray Wyatt's, you know, getting rid of your Braun Strowman's, you know, trying to freshen things up, getting away from some of these, you know, tired stories and things like that, maybe. I don't know. But it's um it's it, it's interesting that they are continuing to make this this, this radical amount of change. Mm. Yeah. I agree it's radical change, but I think it's completely the wrong type of radical change. Mm. It punishes like the faults of the products come at the very, very top. It comes with the fact of Vince McMahon and nobody wants to say that to him. And he is the creative force. And the problems are raw and like it's NXT is there to provide X and the man who is having X delivered to him wants Y. He's not remotely interested in X and he's not, he's not ever going to be. He has a, he has an image of what superstars look like in his head mm. and that's what he's going to go along with. So I think this kind of radical, like it, it reminds me of a football club suddenly deciding not to focus on your youth team players. And all of a sudden you're going to go, no, we're going to focus on getting some big stars. It's like, well, when has that ever worked well? When has that ever been a, been a case in point where it's been a good thing is to, is to kind of cut that? Because the, the whole principle of a performance centre and developmental and, and other things like that, in theory, is absolutely spot on and is the thing that you should always be doing and looking to do and develop those, develop your next crop of time while giving them a degree of exposure. The way they do it, becomes increasingly more difficult for them to do because those house shows in Largo don't draw enough for crowd. Will in the chat has mentioned about the fact you've got this mixture of these kind of people who are ex-American footballers who don't have a clue what to do or people who might be like volleyball players or, or fitness models and they don't know what to do and they're in there with like indie wrestlers who've been doing this for sort of 10 years. Like it's a mess, but it's always basically because let's face it, the reason why they're releasing so many people is because they were stockpiling people. And why were they stockpiling people? Because they didn't want them to go to New Japan and they didn't want them to go to AEW. And it was the fear of, we don't want these companies to become threats. So we're going to take them away. And the thing is with AEW, the genie's out of the bottle with that. So they're not going to keep these people around because now it serves almost like zero purpose to them. I think it's, it's like when we did that, when we did that NXT show, sorry, Benno. Um, we talked. We talked about like the identity crisis almost of NXT and and the fact that they'd almost like lost sight of what it was. You know, it start obviously it started with this idea of it being a developmental, you know, center and you know getting these athletes in that they were going to build and it sort of like evolved where they brought in like a couple of indie lads and you know we we talked about how actually those early like big NXT. Cap- 
as they weren't to, totally stacked with your, your indie lads. There was a bit more of a mix, and then you maybe had that match that was on top that was really good. And consequently, it kind of like it built that buzz, and then suddenly, you know, literally some of the matches of the year were coming up end of NXT, and it kind of almost like then consumed itself because it was like, oh, we're getting like great, you know, this is getting a lot of buzz. We're putting on these great shows. We're starting to sell tickets. And then so then it became like more and more of the top indie lads. Let's bring in more and let's like cycle them through. And then it's almost like their eye went away from what NXT was originally set up to be, which wasn't a bad thing because what they were delivering was a product that wrestling fans loved. And it was, it was hot and it was some of the best shows that you'd look forward to in the year. But it was totally at like odds with what NXT was supposed to achieve. And then when AEW came on the map and then it's okay, well, we've got to stick it on TV now. Then it's even like moved even further away from, from, from what it was supposed to be. So people still talk in these terms of performance center and development brand and things. Whereas in reality, you know, again, as we chatted through on that Patreon show, that pathway has never really been there. It's never been like, develop properly where somebody goes through NXT, whether they're an indie lad or they're a, a sports person who they've developed and goes, you know, works through the system and becomes a biggest, you know, goes up to the roster and becomes a bigger star. It's almost become like a curse to get moved up to the main roster, hasn't it? So by yeah. sort of by definition, it's the opposite of been a developmental system. It's almost become a system where people want to stay there because they want to continue to work and wrestle comfortably and you've got like your champers who just want to stay there and clearly your Johnny Gargano's and things like that who feel much more comfortable there than just getting chewed up and spat out on the, the main roster as well so it's um you know on, on on a positive side I think trying to bring an element of genuine consistency and identities to it is something that's probably going to be <laughs> it surely it can only be beneficial because there isn't a lot of you know top indie lads out there for them to, to to hoover up anymore but equally it's not a product that you can be putting on usa tv anymore when you're going back to That's you know i put that tweet out about like your, your tino sabatelli's and your ridic mosses of this world and things like that you can't be sticking them on usa i mean i don't know how long that tv contract's got left and maybe that's got something to do with it as well yeah. are they even going to be on usa in six months who, who knows if they are it's not going to do any worse like in the viewership like i think we're hitting rock bottom levels you know it, it's getting funny you know when they're in the five hundred thousand range i know they've been on sci-fi the last two weeks but like they're literally doing half what AEW did and i think this is part of the, the overall story vince mcmahon doesn't like to lose and triple h has clearly lost a lot of favor over time and vince mcmahon has got the, the yes men in his ear telling him that things are going wrong down there it's like principally i think i agree like i read gary kidney's great piece on voices of wrestling today talking about how vince mcmahon never wanted nxt um and he, and he goes through the reasons why nxt has you know ultimately failed at what it was ever set out to be and it has been confusing there's been points where you know triple h on conference calls has struggled to answer whether they're really developmental or anymore or, or like a you know a third brand they kind of straddled both for for a while and didn't particularly do either well for a good amount of time and if this was a competently run company run by someone who wasn't an insane almost 80 year old it would make sense to and it, and it does make sense as garrett line garrett lined out in his article and as you've said there garrett to you know align those two visions you know nxt 
became Triple H's Super Indie that was there to block ROH, then it was there to block AEW. Part of it was clearly there as vanity purely for Triple H. We all saw the Mark photos, you know, there was a he was baby facing himself to the the hardcore audience that, you know, didn't, you know, like him, you know, year on year. And that was probably a you know a motivation to it being what it was. But what it wasn't was creating wrestlers that Vince McMahon was going to use on the main roster. Now, Vince McMahon's idea, as JP said there, of, of what works in, in mainstream wrestling is, I think, woefully out of touch. I think, you know, if this was, you know, it, it's it's like it's NXT, this future NXT, is it going to be there purely to, to you know, cater to the whims of Vince and give him all the seven foot lads and all the 300 pound lads he wants I mean he was given Braun Strowman that wasn't good enough you know he loved I know Bray Wyatt's a, a podgy fucker but he loved Bray Wyatt he's gone like I don't think Vince McMahon knows what he wants from day to day I don't think the style of wrestling as well that Vince thinks is gonna work or thinks these NXT lads aren't doing when they come up to the main roster. And you can tell the amount of lads who've come up from NXT who have failed miserably after a week or two of a portion, Vince has clearly lost faith in them. Like that style of wrestling clearly doesn't appeal to to Vince, but I don't know. The industry has moved in that direction. You know, we were seeing it with AEW. Like this could you know this could be great for an AEW. Like the the big point i was going to make is you know back in the day jp and i know you lived through this as well like you know the internet forum days of you know triple h being the the big villain and you know wwe not signing all our indie favorites and all of that that was when wwe was the only game in town that was when it really was frustrating that the best wrestlers like on the scene brian danielson and samoa joe and people like that weren't getting signed at the expense of you know six foot five lads you know in underwear who had six packs like that was so frustrating because there wasn't another mainstream company in the world we're in now you know what if Vince McMahon wants to you know just press self-destruct on NXT give up on having that you know that alternative product that kind of appeal to, to more hardcore fans and he wants you know WWE to be in his image you know what fuck him he can have it because these lads who are getting released and these smaller lads and these faster lads and these more current lads and, you know, the people who've moved with the times as to where we are in 2021 when it comes to wrestling are going to shine. And I think it's going to be to the benefit of the non-WWE companies. I honestly think, and we keep talking about this crossing point between WWE and AEW, this is going to be another one of those things. There's still people out there who love NXT and think it's the greatest product and, you know, still the greatest product and the takeovers are amazing. You can still find those people. They're going to piss all them off. They're going to fuck off. And then the main roster is going to be, what? You know, six foot five lads, you know, crashing through doing spears through guardrails like every week like what's it gonna be i think they're gonna drive off even more people and you know what let vince mcmahon eat himself yeah i'm completely with you on that uh, the rot is really bad because it, 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 it's it's bad with him and there's no one to tell him that this is shit and they've got enough money that they can kind of cover any grief they might get from the one area they do worry about, which is the the stock price and mm. making sure the dividends are there to the shareholders. And that's all they care about. Although, if you're and USA Network, a, are you not looking at this going, I was going to say, fucking nuts. What's going on? <laughs> like, I, if anyone's paying attention. like 
what happened to that Bray Wyatt main character we had the other week? What happened to all these NXT? If, yeah. if anyone's paying it, imagine it was any other TV show, JP. Imagine this was Game of Thrones and a character yeah. just disappeared next week. <laughs> like, kind of, like, oh, why is he gone? Yeah, the showrunner just had a bit of a power trip and fancied to cut some costs, so he's gone. Like, you know, like or a soap opera. Yeah. All, all of a all of a sudden, like I don't know, Shane Ritchie's character just gone from mm. EastEnders, just like gone. Doesn't he's not there on Monday, and then that's it. Like we we just and we're not really going to mention him again either. Mm. Like that's the kind of stuff that they're doing because he's closer and almost in line with a bloody um, with a soap opera because for how long it goes on for. But it's so. I mean, it's completely unsurprising, isn't it? With with all of this stuff, but it's it. Like I think the bigger issue is like they don't see what they're doing with those corporate partners who I can't imagine USA are happy. Because they're not going to be happy because of what they're having to pay for Raw anyway, and the kind of ratings and the fact of how much it's gone down. And for them, it's all about staying number one in cable, and they're not doing that. Like, and losing to a thing like a TNT and like TBS, which is talking those kind of real direct rivals, and they take that stuff so seriously, they're missing out on that. Fox can't be happy for how much they've paid. It, it you know, given um, everything else, and also the fact that they're plugging Peacock on um on fox as well and this is something we've spoken about and i've been feeling for a long time there's going to come a point when those outs are gonna it's going to come the point where fox is going to go do you know what we'll just invest in live sport we'll just buy up more sport maybe if the premier league rights come up or something like that from nbc and they'll go out and buy those instead because that'd be much more worthwhile because also as well and we talk about this on the weekend show those demos it's getting older and older and it's 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 not appealing to mm. young people at all vince missed the zeitgeist a long pe- period ago he had to be dragged kicking and screaming into the attitude era mm. that's the other thing as well like they had to be a really low ebb to be kicked into that he didn't want to do that he wanted to do teal fucking hopper and duke the dumpster drosty mm. that's him because that's his vision of wrestling is that and always has been that, and it's the land of the giants. Another point with a lot of these releases, by the way, it's not mentioned, they're not releasing many women. And that shows you where the power dynamic is in wrestling as well, where those valuable, um, where female wrestlers are real, I think there's, there's like a real value because I think, you know, once you get, you get those kind of big couple of names in there, that's like, if you're an advertiser in the rest and you're thinking this can draw in a, in, in a, in a, female audience and a bigger audience and work well for advertisers you know it's interesting they're not releasing those but mm. you know like you said Bono let them eat themselves they've got zero sympathy for me and neither will Triple H yeah happily laugh at both of these things and, and to your point there as well like JP like one of the things that you look at with the comparison between AEW and, and WWE and the, the whole appealing to their their TV overlords and, and and things like that. You know, Tony Khan is you know successfully using like data analytics to help inform their decision making and their strategy and where they place things and how they book things and the shows they run and what they call them and everything like that. You know, it's a science. It really, really is a science as to as to how they're uh, approaching things. Whereas on the other side of the fence, we're still in the world where it's you know on the whim of this, you know, 80 year old man. It's, you know, it's, it's almost like 
it's almost like Arsene Wenger, isn't it, turning up in British football when he came, you know, and, you know, Vince's fucking Brian Clough or his Dave Bassett or somebody like that, you know, he's got <laughs> yeah. some he's got some formula that worked, you, 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 you know, in the past and things, but actually think. <laughs> the world has moved, the world has moved on, it's passed you by, somebody's coming in and they're applying different techniques and methods to get like that level of success and, you know, that's what it very much feels like, you know, the, the, the game has changed, the thinking has changed behind it, you know, the way that the, the, the approach comes and, you know, I think that's that, that's something, and and I think the the big one that jumps out for me that hasn't been mentioned is like if this is their strategy, it's a, sh- a strategy that they are fucking dog shit as at in yeah. the entire time that this performance center has been in place. They've had countless professional athletes, people who've left the NFL, people who've come from all over in places, and how many of them have they com- converted into being star wrestlers? You know, you look at things and you get, like, top indie lads, lads who've been working for 10 years or so, you know, they've worked in New Japan, they've worked at the top in ROH and things like that. They know what they're doing there for their craft. Exactly. They've got their craft in hand and he still doesn't trust them to put them on TV straight away. You know, like you you take someone like a Finn Balor, you know, when Devitt came over from there, was he ready for main TV? Of course he was fucking ready for main TV, but he's got to go and sit in NXT for a a few years and do it. If you're not even going to put people of this experience and caliber and expertise directly onto your live product because you don't trust them. How many years is it going to take you to get this lad who's fucking, you know, fallen out of the NFL at the age of 26 because he's got a knee injury? The lad's going to be 36, 37 before he even gets a chance on TV. And by the time he gets to that stage, he's not someone who's got like a love of wrestling. He's not someone who's got this natural, inherent, internal, you know, engagement with the art of wrestling and the way that it works and things like that. He's going to fuck off. He's going to go do something else after five years. He's not going to stay there pissing about doing fucking arm drags with buddy whoever down, you know, down there. And it just calls into question the entire thing. It's it's all about like the gloss on the outside of it is, oh, look at this facility. Look at how many rings we've got. Oh, this is like, it's like a NFL combine, the facilities that we've got here. And look at all these coaches. And then when you look at the coaches and you go, Really, some of them; those are the guys that you put in the future in wrestling in the in the hands of you know some of the you know some of the people here. And maybe that's like another side of things as well that's going to get tore up because you know as we've talked about in the past, you know when you look back and you look at when you know right that you know there might be elements that go against them in in certain ways, but when someone's getting coached by a Tom Pritchard or you've got like a Jim Cornette or a Paul Heyman or something like that booking at that level, or you've got I don't know a Rip Rogers or whatever, you know people who come from whatever like different background because their face doesn't fit and it doesn't you know they don't fall in line with the the way that the WWE works then you know they don't they don't match the the vision that they've got for the development of their wrestlers so again there's there's probably a lot of them and on shaky ground because if they're ripping up the model then they're probably going to have to rip up the coaching model as well because you know these lads have proven time after time that they can't take supreme tall athletes <laughs> into being mainstream WWE superstars so why do they think it's suddenly going to start happening now that we get rid of all the uh, vanilla midgets let's uh, focus on the big lads it's not just suddenly going to happen you know it's and and if they do mm-hmm. try and push it through you're going to have people on your mainstream TV who aren't ready for it and they're just going to make the product even worse and then people are going to watch even less so yeah sort of to fall into to the eating themselves line again it's another kind of spoke on that wheel really of them doing that and yeah i'm all for it 
Do you ever fear the fact that they don't like making stars anymore? I always got the impression that don't want any, do Lesnar. No, they don't, because I think they always worry about the Glesner or the mm. fact they'll do what The Rock did mm. and what Cena will be doing mm. after this summer. They're going full-time into something else, and there's the inner resentment of, we made that. And then at that point, it seemed to be even more the focus of WWE, the brand, mm. which in and of itself then is entirely, to, you know, nobody's a star mm. at that point. And, you know, you can call them superstars all you want, but it just doesn't have any meaning. Mm. It's almost like Megamind. Like, you know, it's it's like everyone's a superstar, so no one is one. And they've and they've and they've completely failed in this and they don't want to do it. And it's and it's and it's down to him Mm. and the fact of, well, I create this and I don't want you to go away. And you're inevitably going to go away if you're so popular, rather than thinking we've made millions off this person and they're always going to be associated with us, and they'll probably like to come back and do the odd bits, bit and piece, bits and pieces. I don't see that happening with this generation almost of like, you know, you think of the people they'll, they could bring back from this generation. Like I know you've yeah. mentioned it a couple of times before, but like with a, with a Randy Orton and the rest, I mean, it's difficult to like, you know, it's all hinges on Gable Stevenson, maybe with the next superstar. <laughs> One oh. Olympic gold, maybe he's the great. What did you say on the daily update that he'll be, he'll be a farting clown by the end of the year? He'll be a farting clown. <laughs> Nailed yeah. it, he will. He fucking will. Amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he's done so well he'll, with a religious athlete, haven't he? Yeah. Um. He'll do something like pull a gormless expression on TV and so, well, that's you. Yeah. Olympic gold medalist who's yeah. basically like Otis. Mm. <laughs> well, like um, Joe said there, you know, in an ideal Vince world, everyone's expendable. Yeah. You know, that that is kind of, they don't, they, they want the company to be the star and they have, you know, I just think. There's an arrogance there, I think. There's an arrogance that the bottom's never going to fall out. Like, I really, like, I'm starting to, like, we've always said, yes, but, you know, they'll, you know, raw rating slides, SmackDown rating slides, they'll always be the hardcore base. I'm not so sure about that anymore. Now that AEW is a viable alternative on easily accessible TV every week, like, you know, everyone can see it and, you know, even, you know, disillusioned Fiend fans can go over there and fall in love with Darby Allen or, you know, whoever else it is on, you know, on the AEW side that they, they get into. Like, now that that's there, I just don't think that's guaranteed anymore. Like I said last week, you know, I do think, you know, those Fiendophiles, um, you know, which make up a, a portion of, like, that WWE hardcore base, they're, you know, not happy right now. If you're a big NXT fan, you're not going to be happy right now either. Like, what is, you know, the, even these most hardcore Dyed in the Wolf fans, I'm sure there's a number of them that are always going to be there no matter what, but WWE have made a business of having this war on fans for these last 20 years and just having that belief that that's, you know, people will say, well, you know, they're making TV money, so who cares about anything else? It's like, well, they're only making that TV money because, you know, allegedly there's still a large enough number of wrestling fans willing to watch their show. I don't think that's guaranteed. And all of the patterns that we've seen over these last few years are showing that that's not guaranteed. And I think a viable you know, com- bit of competition in AEW is going to speed that process up. And yeah, I think like as w- AEW's momentum continues to ramp up, I think 
WWE should be scared. Maybe they are scared. Maybe that's what's caused some of this. And, you know, maybe that's what caused when, when Vince was on that conference call, you know, we were talking about it, JP. I was like, oh, we, he can't have possibly meant, you know, oh, they, they, they've taken all of our talent. Maybe we can give them some more. Actually, based on this, this maybe he did mean it. Maybe Raby does think that that's like they're going to kill AEW with kindness and get them to sign all their, all their wrestlers or something. Like maybe and got, Tony Khan's going to run out of money. Maybe that's what he thinks. But oh, yeah. they should be taking this seriously. In his same conference call, he referenced Ted Turner, which shows you where his head's at. Mm. Like, that's where he is. He can't accept that. He just doesn't understand the times have moved on. Mm. And, you know, spoiler alert, eight-year-olds don't change their mind. Mm. They're not, like, open to new ideas at that point in time. This is how he's going to be, and there is no changing. It's where is the courage for someone to go, we're producing shit, and we have endless amount of resources that it doesn't have to be this bad. It doesn't have to be like this. There's no, like he is the disruptor in chief. I mean, it's it's not just letting people go. It's letting people go with no kind of idea or they're involved in storylines at the moment. And which just shows you like the sloppy shop, the contracts, yeah. which we're going to talk about. Look at that stuff. That's entirely gone to shit. Mm. Like they don't really know what they're doing and they've been programmed into it. I mean, they're all singing that song, like in the film about Scientology with David Miscavige. And eventually what happens is a, a little line comes up and it says, oh, they've gone missing. If you haven't seen Going Clear, the Alex Gibney film, like that would make sense for that. But it, that, that kind of cult dynamic now, it, and they're being shown up. And they're being shown up every week. And they're also just being shown of like the entire logic of who can be a star and what draws. Darby Allen n- never would have a, a chance there. A Jungle Boy would never have a chance there. Sammy Guevara, because they're all undersized. Mm. And that, and then they get a chance. And then it proves that they're kind of a draw and they get a rating. And like that. It, because it it's, be not that 2000, point, yeah. it's not 2000, it's not even 2000, it's not 1994. Yeah. And fucking, you know, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather and people of that size have been, you know, proven drawing. But Vince doesn't watch this stuff, so he doesn't know that. That's the, yeah. that's also part of the. I, if you're, if you're, to get onto another thing, like you mentioned there, JP, if you're Pete Dunn or you're Adam Cole, you're fucking stupid if you resign with this company at this point. Yeah. If you're Adam Cole and you went to SmackDown and Vince McMahon gave you the sales pitch about, oh, you know, we're going to, we're putting stories together on Raw and SmackDown for you, pal. And then, like, you're getting texts going, oh, yeah, you know, Bobby Fish got sacked, like, literally while you were in that room, sacked him. Uh, looks like they're sacking all of the, the old and small people. Uh, you'll be fine, though, mate. You know, you're only four foot tall and 50 pounds, but don't worry about it. Vince likes you. You're going to be fine. Like, I had Mel to talk about it this week. He was like, listen, if they, if they fucked up, they fucked it up with Ricochet. They'll fuck it up with anybody that they think is undersized. And I think if Adam Cole thinks he's immune, like he's got to, that, that would be the markest of mark moves. If after all of this, all of this news, and it's all out in the public, that lad signs back with WWE. I don't even want to see him in AEW, but if the option is there, fucking go, mate. Fucking run. Like, what are you doing? Well, with, with that, though, is we always have to like take a step back though and think about these people's objectives now because we think of it in a purist wrestling way don't we we think about creativity we think about like you know the you know fulfillment of great matches and etc etc and if adam cole in his mind who knows he's maybe in a mindset where he's thinking like i just want to get as much fucking money out of this as <laughs> as i can and if if it's like i get up on the main roster and i'm not used properly and things like that 
but I've got a massive, massive wedge of contract, uh, wedge of money that I know is bigger than an AW contract. Maybe that's good enough for him. Maybe he doesn't actually give a shit that you know that much, and it's all about like cream the money while I oh, while I can and. It'd be you, better you know, even from a money point of view, though, don't you think? Like he could get a better, get a decent deal to AEW. Come back to Vince in ten years. Like come back to Vince in five years. He'll love you then because you turned him down. You get more money then. Like you know? well, exactly. There's 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 always that like thing that you know the thing that comes comes up from that perspective. Like you know, he's maybe thinking get a big fucking wedge and then they'll bloody cut me in in twelve months anyway. Okay, well let's like you know <laughs> that make happen, while yeah. the sun's shining and twelve weeks, let's mate. use my <laughs> yeah, let's use but then this. if he's earning a big wedge you'll get sacked for earning a big wedge. Yeah exactly, exactly. exactly and then wed- and what does he do when that happens? He goes and does what he could do now. <laughs> you know, kind of so he's he's almost a bit win win in, in in some in some ways, you know. It's not what I would do, but you know, personally if I was if I was in his shoes. But you know, there are these people there where it is like you know it's a job and it's mm. like get them get as much money that's on the table as we uh, as we can and you know live for live for the now and you know what does Cody say like make more later and things like that you know when you are Adam's girl Adam girl's mm. age if they are kind of like backed into this corner a little bit and they are feeling like oh fuck he's someone that we do have to get and we do have to keep and we're gonna you know overpay him because I think they would be overpaying him, I think, if they threw Adam Cole a big contract. I don't think he's somebody who's gonna, you know, move the needle in any way on the main roster either. He's certainly not someone who's gonna, you know, generate the revival of the product. Then <laughs> might have done with undisputed yeah, era, mate, but that won't be happening. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's uh, that, that ain't happening. But like, you know, you, you know why? You know why not? <laughs> kind of, kind of, kind of, because if he goes to AEW. He ain't getting to the top of the card there immediately. He, you know, either you'd look at the contracts that are there. Are AW really going to be throwing top dollar at Adam Cole when they've, you know, they're throwing, you know, money at your punks and Danielsons that you've got coming in there? Either I don't know. Maybe it's overstated the money that he can get from from AW. I, I don't know. know. I, I think I think he's he's in enough with that crew that I I, I still think like. He'd, he'd find that he'd find himself on his feet there. Like the other thing about WWE though is like, yes, you could sign and you could get released in six weeks, but also they could sign, job you out, and then throw you in Caitlin for five years, and everyone forgets about you. You know what I mean? He could have that run as well. And if he wants to make you know money long term in his career, you've kind of got to got to look at it from that side as well. But I do see your point. You know, I suppose it depends on what what motivates someone like a like an Adam Cole. But he does. Strikes me more as a person who you know want to you know be successful, want to be you know creatively you know successful, want to be creatively fulfilled. Like if the option was there, he'd probably stick around in NXT based on everything you hear about him loving Sean and Triple H. Mm. But don't think that's going to be an option for him going forward. And I think Pete Dunne's that same school as well. Like Pete Dunne, you know, the obviously his contract is same as Adam Cole expiring over SummerSlam weekend. My immediate reaction to Pete Dunne was. He's got no fucking chance. Like, so we've got no fucking chance. There's no way he's leaving WWE. There's just no way. He's a coward. He loves his life. Uh, you know, coward strong. You know, he's he's got a family. He's moved them. He's moved them all to America and such. And there's re- there's reasons. You know, good and bad. He might be loyal to WWE. I've heard some rumblings of maybe he's maybe not quite as loyal to to WWE based on you know partly what happened in in June of last year and you know him hitting his his head on a wall at, at certain points in trying to do something about what happened in in June. Of last year so that gives me some pause as well but yeah i, I don't know I, I don't know what you guys thought is on pete dunn like again immediately i thought he was a lifer but the more i think about it I think, uh, you know there's a 
possibility, you know, again, there's a limited spot in AEW. We can get into, you know, is it worth signing them to have another, you know, decent, well, decentish known, you know, over with a certain audience, you know, British guy who can have an, at a decent point, 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 point on your roster. I'm not the biggest Pete Dunn fan in the world, but I think I'd consider it if I was AEW. But I don't know. Oh yeah. What do you think with Pete Dunn, JP? Where do you think? Where do you think uh, it, it, his head will be at, and where do you think like the the likely way this goes is? Um, again, if I'm a better man, I say WWE, but I don't completely shut the door on the idea of him maybe trying his luck. Yeah, but, but I'm you know, with this news this last week as well, like especially. Sorry. Yeah, I'm I, I'm probably the same as you. Like I, I, I was at first, I was convinced he was going to stay, and I also thought as well, it's partly the idea of it's a very young family, and there's yeah. an opportunity here to set them up properly. Mm. So, like, you don't have to worry about your mid to late thirties. From that mm. point onwards, you kind of set yourself up in a good way, and all the rest of it, and you kind of think that's incredibly appealing. If you say to someone at the age of what's he now, twenty-seven, that that's what he, he can do. However, I think there's more there's real value in Pete Dunne. And, and I, was, I said this on, on um, I think this was on the, on the weekend show when, when we were talking about this, that I thought that one of the, the reasons is, is that you sign, you signing British talent because I think as well for your ITV deal, like I think that's something that they've kind of missed and they're going to want to come over and they're going to want to be able to push kind of British wrestlers. So I think there's an inherent value to him. He's also a better wrestler than Adam Cole. He'll have better matches. He can have some really great matches, as as we've seen, with really good opponents, obviously. And there's better opponents for him to have those matches with. So it kind of depends what he wants from his wrestling. Mm. It's also the fact about, like, it's the guaranteed money, isn't it? It's what is he going to be offered. But it's not like an NXT. He's going to be offered the world. Mm. He's not going to be coming in on CM Punk money. It, it, it just depends where you are yourself personally at that point in life and what your kind of objective is like what Gav said earlier on yeah and Pete Dunn's situation is different to Adam Cole's it like so I can I, I find it easier but then I'm also thinking as well like you've kind of got this open wrestling landscape you can effectively work wherever you want if you feel confident enough and obviously injury not permitting there's like it's not just AEW it's AEW New Japan mm. and New Japan isn't an issue. It'll probably be whatever big indies you really want to do because that wouldn't be too much of an issue. Mm. It's so much more appealing and you can get in on something that feels like a like the wrestling landscape, as we've been speaking about, is massively changing. Like each week, the news is getting kind of more and more mental and it's on what side do you want to be? And what side looks like there's upward momentum and what sides look like there's very downward momentum and bad morale and things like that. It's like, why would you stay at the company that's got bad morale and looks terrible? Yeah, you know? that's that's where I kind of like, you know, to Gareth's your point before, Gareth, like, I think Pete Dunne fall, falls more into that category for me. I could see it being, you know, purely business. You know, I've moved my family out here, money, whatever. I'll take the guaranteed WWE money. Adam Cole, I'm maybe not as confident on that on just because, you know, his wife working at it, sorry, his wife, his girlfriend working at AEW, you know, and being so embedded, you know, maybe in their culture a little bit more and kind of, you know, I think with Adam Cole as like that, I think that equivalency in like people who really rate Adam Cole or Adam Cole's fan base, I think isn't hugely dissimilar to the AW fan base. Mm. His mates are in charge. I think he'd be taken care of. Pete Dunn, 
I don't know. Pete Dunne feels a little bit more like, is he really going to take that gamble to leave? I don't know if that's a, that's your read on Pete Dunne. I think with Pete Dunne, like one of the things that strikes me with him is is that he to to me. I mean, I've you know, I don't know him for Adam, but he seems to be cold baby, intelligent. I think I, I think he seems to be in, like his his approach to things seems like he's he's got a clear direction in his head and path that he wants to go on and he seems to be particularly motivated i think he's somebody who when the opportunities have arisen he's grabbed them with two hands and he's you know he's he's really sort of moved forward with the opportunities when they have you know fallen in his lap by luck or by design you know you you know but you know even right back to the start of his career where he's like paying himself out to go to japan and things like that to learn over there to get himself ahead and it was it wasn't the done way you don't fly yourself out to japan and things like that but you know he did it kind of thing because he had a clear objective of what he, he he wanted to achieve you know if you'd have asked me three weeks ago i'd same as you guys i'd have said yeah wwe lifer and things but the more i've heard over the last few weeks and the more I've kind of stepped back and thought about it. Maybe not. Maybe it's 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 not as nailed on. And I think it was maybe on the weekend show. I mean, you made the point there from an Adam Cole perspective, Benno, but mm. I think it was on the weekend show you said Pete Dunn could go, he could go and have 10 years and make himself yeah. a star in AW and New Japan yeah. things, come back. And he's still only 37. And then he could, he could go and be the biggest star in WWE if he manages to achieve and attain that level elsewhere in the world as well. So mm. time's so on his side. And, you know, to me, he almost feels like in a better position than than Cole for me and that, like, he's... He, there's, there's a lot of options options there. He's He's got, you know, different directions that he can go into that he hasn't been in, uh, there in the past, whereas, you know, Cole's been in certain places before and for a certain period, you know, a certain period of time and, and, uh, and that side of things. So, uh, you know, my guess is that Dunn's really sort of sitting back and like weighing up this situation. And wouldn't it be wild if uh, he he ends up um, putting himself in a position where he can come back and um, <laughs> whether he's working for AW or working for New Japan and he's, head, he's high headlining Rev Pro, Rev Pro <laughs> shows in York Hall and Britress is okay after all because I've come back to save it. You know? He was right. Like, uh, the save the saviour of Britress, Pete, Pete Dunne, everything was fine. I don't Did know what you're talking about, lads. Everything it, was fine. It's full. They've all come to see me. If you're this on TNT, where, where can I get <laughs> If you're on TNT, TNT shows, where can I get big guns, Joe? It's coming. Um, that's, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe he is. He, he, he's, that's going to be his motivation to uh, to come back and save us all. Um, yeah, like, I'm, you know, I will say when I made that point on the weekend show or when I, I tweeted it about Pete Dunne and saying, you know, yeah, give him a decade and he'll still be in his 30s. That that was before. That was when we uh, we thought NXT was still the uh, the home for the thirty something year olds. Maybe that's a bit more in doubt now. But no, the, the whole overall point I think still stands. You know, you're Pete Dunne. You got your whole career in front of you. Use the two sides against each other. And you know, I, I was going to say, like from an AEW point of view, and I had this kind of back and forth with a few people on Twitter. I think I came across like I was one of those British strong style gif accounts and you know i've never written a safeguarding document in my life so i'm not um but like he he i was kind of saying like pete dunn is someone who i genuinely think could be a decent sized british star for them like to make my point i was i maybe i left pack out a little bit and i got a lot of angry pack fans coming at me but i don't know there's something about pack i just kind of see him as like yes he's the guy on the roster yes he's british is he going to be a big british star 
Anthony Agogo is kind of the one that everyone pushes back with. Like, I think, you know, we, we talked about a bit, bit about this in like our private chat, you know, how mm. big a star is Anthony Agogo and Will made the great point of, well, I mean, obviously this isn't, this isn't, you know, the only metric, but he has actually got twice, Pete Dunne has actually got twice as many Twitter followers as Anthony Agogo. So maybe some of the Americans should pump the brakes on how famous they seem to have bought into, you know, this fella is. That's not to say he's not got a good degree mm. of fame and he's got a good story and, you know, you could probably roll them out to, I was going to say Big Breakfast then, but, you know, whatever the equivalent is these days and you know sky sports news or not van outen's about he's a dead man <laughs> gotta be careful around there but you know what i mean he, he, you can you can use him in that role definitely and get yourself a bit of pub you know but he's not like he's not household name household name i think people kind of think he is but i've always kind of had a, a little bit of a you know skepticism towards that and the other thing about him is he's worked three matches and he's half blind. So, like, is he really going to be, you know, a top-level star in AEW at any point? He yeah. can be he can be someone that you can put in, like, a fun freak show match every now and again, and then it's time to come to Europe again. Let's push the button on Anthony Agogo for a few weeks again. That makes sense. But I do think there's still value in having a, you know upper mid card or a guy that like might not Pete Dunne might not be the top guy in AW but he can be a guy who's in the mix who can be on those posters and who can be you know merchandised and you know the counter I saw a lot of people make was like well you know AW will sell tickets over here regardless and that is true you know you don't necessarily need it but it's still good business as you were saying JP it's good business to have that you know that localized star that you know more than just tickets sales as far as merchandising and other money making avenues it's just you know, it just makes sense, doesn't it? It's not the first or second time you sell tickets. It's the mm. third time, the fourth time, the fifth time. That's when you need your local kind of like star on there. Mm. I mean, even like, and I, I remember saying this on the weekend show, there's a reason why um, the Bellator match was in Ingleton, California, because mm. that's where AJ McKee's from. Mm. And that's, that's why you do it. And I also think I agree with you as well. It, if you're thinking of like the biggest British star to Americans, you're thinking Davy Boy Smith. Well, as much as we might go, oh God, you know, he wasn't all that great and all the rest of it. The Brett match is there. Hmm. It's there in history and it stands out. So no, it's not only him. And he's not like he was the most charismatic bloke in the world as well. Like I think he would have struggled on a fucking good morning like Britain or BBC breakfast fucking sofa. It'd be funny to see now in hindsight, but, and Dunn doesn't necessarily have that side to it, but he delivers great matches. Mm. And it's like, you want to look like you're an international company. You want to look like Mm. you're an open-minded thinking who brings in people from all around the world and isn't bothered by the superficial, which is what WWE are basically saying. We are all about the superficial wrestling ability is not, is not a thing necessarily for us. And again, what side do you want to be on? The superficial side or a side that has like a kind of deep-rooted love of wrestling? And if you're a really good wrestler and you can get yourself over to a crowd, they'll give you the time for you to demonstrate your craft to the best of your ability. And Pete Dunne would get that outside of WWE. Otherwise, he's pigeonholed. And to top it all off, he's seen as a Triple H guy, Mm. rather like Adam Cole, and you know how petty and fucking daft them lot are. You imagine what Bruce Pritchard and John Laurinaitis will be saying next. He'll be like, "Don't like him. Why? Because he's, he's a symbol of this, and that's fa- and that, yeah, and that, and, and that's a failure. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how good they are. Good matches don't matter. It doesn't matter that a, 
a, an audience in Chicago were chanting British wrestling when he was up there against Tyler Bay. Like, and that's with no name recognition whatsoever. That's just by putting on a brilliant fucking match. Like, honestly to God, it, it, it it's a real opportunity because, of, like, as you've heard me bang on it several times, if you're AEW, the things that you want to have that would really add to your cards are, like, just some more brilliant matches. If you're yeah. putting in, like, brilliant undercards in there as well, you're adding to such a complete product where it's not just the big stars or a certain division that's good. It all fits into it. Mm. I, th- I, th- I think the the MMA analogy is a good one, really, JP, when you're talking about, like, the Bellator side of things there and, and the things, because, like, I just think back to when I was heavily into, you know, the UFC and they came over here and you had those shows where, you know, you just have to see the connection and the ovation that, you know, Michael Bispin got when he's, he's in there in a match. It's like fucking Dennis Kang and things like that. That's just like a, it's a nothing fight. And it's, but, you know, the crowd, because it's Bispin, because he's British, they're, they're, they're so much, much more behind it. It's like Randy Couture was the main event, but which is, you know, Randy Couture's pulling people to the building because he's a massive, you know, massive star. But it's, you know, Dan Hardy on the undercard. It's Bispin. It's, you know, Ross Pearson at the time and things like that, where you felt like, here you go, these are our lads kind of thing. So, like, you know, to that point, they're going to sell tickets anyway. But it doesn't hurt. And to to have that British presence on the card when you're trying to promote over here. and, And it's always, I think, any sport or anything like that it always it's it's always better when you feel like you've got someone you know you've got someone in the game <laughs> like one yeah. of your lads is in the game or something like yeah. that it just improves that connection and even if it's something even if it's the opener even if it's something just feeling like there's that element of a connection it just engages you with, with with things things a bit more it takes you on the journey with certain people and if you are converting you know new people to an age of product just having someone that's got you know it's, it's, it's got a familiar accent. You're hearing that he's from the same place as you and things like that as a, as, as a, as a young lad. You know, never underestimate how much kids get behind that kind of thing. I have to see, like, my mm. daughter in the Euros, like how <laughs> much does she got on this England wave just because it was this, you know, she had zero connection to football, but because it was England and that's where she's from and things like that, then, you know, she, she suddenly built up this association and went on that journey on a sport that she previously had, like, zero interest in, in, in whatsoever. And it just, yeah, it just it, it just flash, flashes across anything like that, you know. It, I think it's one of those things. Do you need to have it? No. Is it beneficial to have it? Yes. Does it hurt it to, to, to does it hurt you to do it? Absolutely not. So you should be doing it, you know. I think I think I think that's it. That's it for me. And he's he's prior and, and coming back to that match quality side of things again, where we talk about the matches that AEW starting to produce the top tier matches that people on the world are talking about and putting up there with the best of the best New Japan main events and things like that. You know, we talk about opponents that Omega can have and different things like that. Done somebody there who can at least kind of, you know, he can is is proven that he can, you know, he can raise his game to a certain level and be in the mix with that. He's somebody who can be having matches there that people are going to be talking about, you know, on a on a global basis as well. And um, um, again, you know. It'll be a it'll be a good place for him. I think you know we all we all thought it was a good place for him. Yeah, we 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 thought it was a good place for him going. You know, being able to work in somewhere like Japan and things like that at the time that he signed for WWE. We, you know, we thought it was the wrong yeah. move for him then, kind of thing. So now, maybe it feels like an even you know 
<laughs> worst decision to stick around for Pete Dunne. And the right decision is, yeah, put yourself in a position where you can go and work in Japan. You can come and, you know, work some big shows in the UK. You can be on AWTV and, you know, build your build your star that in, in, in that way. But again, it remains to be seen how big of a mark he is. Yeah, I was going to say, we say all that and he'll sign tomorrow, <laughs> like, despite all that logic. <laughs> yeah, that is the... I mean, but, I, you know, no joke. Like, I, I honestly think if you're a if you're a below six-foot wrestler who can go, <laughs> you've got the option. I feel like AW yeah. is, you know, uh, Pete Dunne's hit his head on the ceiling at NXT already. Never mind what NXT is going to become. And, yeah, main roster's not happening. So, yeah, I don't know if it's as silly as maybe... I thought it was when that news came out. I mean, I was going to say, on a Pete Dunne-related note, though, like, have NXT UK escaped again? Like, I mean, you know, touch words, mm. we don't get, like, breaking well, news. Tonight, I, know. Yeah. I know, by the time you do the daily update tomorrow, JP, it's all going to be changed, but... It looks like NXT UK survived another one. I mean, there was like a bit of, you know, I've heard, definitely heard it before about, you know, the, you know, we all bandied about the low figures for the the contracts when NXT UK was launched of being, what, 16K a year and Meltzer doubled down on that this week. So it's not a lot of money you're playing with with a lot of this talent. Or, and a lot of them, you know, if you believe uh, some people I've spoken to and what's kind of been out there in Twitterverse, there are some three-year deals that are, that are coming due soon. Maybe that's part of it, but... It does surprise you that, you know, you go down that list of, of NXT names we read out at the start of people who've been released. Like, a lot of them are, can't be big earners. You know, I can't imagine, you know, uh, you know whoever mm. St- Stefan Smith is is making much more than some of those M for lads. Um, yeah, it, it almost feels like I, I saw the, the joke made that, yeah, maybe maybe Nick Khan's uh, spreadsheet's got a tab on it for NXT UK and he's just, he's not got quite to, to that tab yet or it's on a different spreadsheet or something because it seems to escape him, um, all of these uh, things cuts it does seem incredible doesn't it that that this is the case and even with all of the overheads as well like we don't know how much that uh that re- that uh that unit unit 31 is in uh <laughs> in that industrial estate yeah two stars we? at the minute right. jp is an average review i don't know why that is well, how strange i can't think it's nothing to do with us in any way mm. shape or form but um you, you do wonder you wonder when the contracts are up so do they re- do they renew them or do they just allow them to roll over? That's something I'm not quite sure about. There's the TV contract with BT Sport. Are they obliged to produce this program? And they view themselves as content providers and this is content. And it's why they're not getting rid of NXT UK because they still think to themselves, well, there's two hours of television that we want to have in play. So it's what do they view it as? And I kind of wonder if they view it as content production because at some point they should be doing this in front of live audiences, how they do that. And I can't imagine the ticket sales being high. The only hope for that is that takeover on Sunday with the Ilya mat, like Ilya and Walter, if they have an absolutely blow away match, then people will want to watch NXT UK again. But I, I'm not quite sure, but I keep on thinking like, well, when the contracts are up, which is the thing with WWE, fuck knows at this point, if there's a lesson to be learned, they don't know when the contracts are up. So how the hell are we going to know? And if like, it, when those are up, are they going to be renewing them? Are there a good few people are going to go, do you know what? It's not all it's cracked up to be. I've had the experience. I know the limit of where I go. I'm going to go and have some fun mm. and I'm going to go out and, and kind of like, if you're, I don't know if you're Eddie Dennis, for example, you might think, you know, how much longer have you got? And it might be worthwhile kind of doing that. But then I'm being 
completely hypothetical about it about it going. But yeah, I just think it's when those contracts are up. And it plays a part in it. Yeah, I mean, one of the you know, one of the things that you know comes to it as as well is like how many of these lads who are actually there are are also working other jobs as well. Like you know, I know of some. I know of some that are, and then that's when I look at it here, and it's like, okay, you, I don't know, you maybe say you, you take a contract that's like sixteen grand a year, and then you know you, you, you know you you scale up back and you go, okay, well that's whatever, thirteen hundred quid a thirteen hundred quid a month, and then you like you know you look at what that is a week, and it's like whatever three hundred thirty five quid a week, and then you're thinking. Okay, well, if this is what this is, lads who were who were just you know working weekends and the odd show here and there anyway, like how many of them were even earning that from their indie dates? You know, for, you know, there can there can be many that were working enough that they were taking home three hundred and thirty five quid from wrestling alone, you know, in a in a typical weekend. So if they are actually working you know, still working another job as we know some of them are and they're just, you know, working as part of this. Actually, that money, you know, they may be, they may be taking home more money than they, <laughs> taking home more money than they were by getting 50 quid to work this show on a Sunday somewhere and getting, you know, 50 quid to work on, on, on this Saturday there uh, as well. So there probably is this outer tier that aren't on the, you know, that are on the most basic contracts that maybe they are in a position where they're, you know, they maybe are slightly better overall than what they were. They were on. They get to call themselves a WWE wrestler. They get to go down to Enfield. Oh no, they don't, mate. What, three, two <laughs> times. To, oh, well, <laughs> no, 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 to, yeah, to, to their mates, they get to call themselves a, 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 a WWE yeah, wrestler. They get, they get still to go, wrestling you, in you America, know, son. To, yeah, of course I am. Yeah, WWE. Yeah, that's where I went. <laughs> you know, they've had that conversation with relatives. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so so, so for a lot like that then i don't know then they're not necessarily worse off but i think that it where i think the big distinction obviously comes is is when you look at what the pathway is for you know for some of these people where we've talked obviously about nxt and the way that's involved there ain't any fucking big lads in nxt uk apart from uh apart from walter really is there and you know outside of that, we've, seen how treated, we've seen how they've treated him when he's been put in the uh put put in the opportunity at a at a higher level than and sort of taken out of out of this bubble you know so whereas in the past maybe i would have thought oh actually there's probably like four or five lads there who you think yeah they're going to go to nxt in the same way that you know the grizzled young vets have done in the same way that pete dunn's done and things like that uh is even that pathway still going to be there for the for the for the best of of these lads not entirely sure but one of the things that i keep questioning as well is is the whole like furlough scheme and that coming to an end at the end of september and thinking these like these are taped shows that are just like you know happening in the BT Sports. No one knows when they take place or anything like that. Like this could all be happening on you know two days a weekend every month, and then for the other rest of the rest of the time, they've got them all on furlough anyway. So even the smallmans of this world could be sat there on furlough and just working four days a month or something like that as well. So you know that's outside of the TV contract and their individual contracts. Just the the situation in Britain at the moment from from that point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not. I've got no idea, but it could 
be you know it could be playing into it it's costing bugger all and the you know the government's paying for them to <laughs> produce content potentially again i don't know the the details of the contract so again when that when that comes to an end then yeah suddenly oh hang about you know what's you know what's 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 going to be happening now in terms of suddenly we've got this extra ex that might flag up in uh, Nick Khan's line suddenly the cost that's coming the cost base that's coming out of the UK mm-hmm. is suddenly uh, you know higher than it has been for the past uh, twenty months or something like that and that might be the the red flag to tip it over the edge but it doesn't look good does it there's there's no. there's not there's not one part of the news that's that this come out of NXT that you can look at NXT UK and think <laughs> there's. There's, there's positive signs here for you guys because because there just isn't. I can't even think of one. I can't even think of a single positive sign that NXT UK should should be thinking about right now. I mean, yeah, if you're a, if you're a Scottish lad with a beard hanging around an industrial state in Enfield, <laughs> to hang out outside a, a certain trampoline place, and you've got a contract that says you're not allowed to. Uh, that, that is something I heard this week. You're not allowed to say you're a WWE superstar. Apparently, if you work for NXT UK, they don't even give you that. You're not supposed to put it on your uh, your Twitter bio or whatever you've got to say NXT UK star, which is brilliant. I love that. And I, I've heard that from a couple of people, so I do believe it to be true. But like, you know, the the one thing they had going for them is yeah, they can say you know they can put their WWE contract on the wall and they can say that a, a WWE star, even at that low money, and like you say, Gareth, you know some of them it may, it may well be better than what they were doing before, but I don't think it's. I know again we're talking small amounts of money, but it's definitely not out the realm of possibility that like some of those same lads who've you know talked about the strength of this Brit Red scene and all of that noise are gonna find themselves back knocking on Andy Quilden's door looking for work, you know, Flash Morgan Webster and. Mark Andrews, you know, the two oldest skateboarders in Britain are going to find themselves working with contenders on Bristol shows again. Like, it, it wouldn't shock me if that if that's what's coming next. Not that I'm looking forward Age to doesn't help here. Age doesn't help here as that's well. That's true. There's a few of them in their 30s, yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you're looking at a Walter and they're thinking, we're paying him this much, mm. he's this age, mm. and he doesn't have the physique that we want to push. Because the one time the he was in style. that Survivor Series match, all the working style, he was he was gone, and it does make me wonder. Austrian, and I don't Lee. think he, I, I don't think he'd, he'd be disappointed with that. <laughs> he'd have gone there, he'd have made his money and the rest of it, and then thought, well, you know, I can work to the schedule that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it, it is one of those things. Like I, I just kind of think that. It's it's hard to see how so much of it is going to exist. And funny enough, it's those older wrestlers that we said the people like the Shah Samuels and the Rampage Browns. We were kind of happy for them to be getting this in their career. They'd, they'd kind of earn it, and they don't. And they not probably... gold watch, but like I don't know, second hand yeah. watch moments. You know, <laughs> pawn shot watch. <laughs> they got they had a better idea of their own value as well, didn't they? <laughs> Like, I yeah. think they, they had that about them. So, like, I kind of think that, that like, for them, like, it would be kind of the biggest shame because they're kind of the people that they would need. If it's just the younger wrestlers there, then I don't know how much faith I would have outside of, like, an A-kid at this point. I haven't even mentioned Tyler Bate. God knows what's going on with him or where he is. I mean, it's 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 one of those, and like Sarah's making the point over there in yeah. the chat. Yeah, work go away. Work for WXW. Work for 
ICW work for progress, you're going to be on the network anyway. The content's still there. Like, I think. But like, don't you yeah. think that's weird that like the only companies in this country who haven't gone back to crowds yet? It's NXT UK, Progress, and ICW. Like, what's going on there? That seems odd. Like, you know, to this furlough business, and you know, maybe there being something weird going on. Like, saying that, on the other hand, the port they're still putting progress. Content like there was a Doug Williams shoot interview that went on the network this week and on Peacock, so maybe they keep them around for Peacock Europe content. But yeah, that's seriously you could probably probably do that mm-hmm. with WXW, ICW, and Progress, and not do not need NXT UK for it really. Like what it, what actually is it at the end of the day? It's funny though as well from like the NXT UK live crowds as well. They were struggling, weren't they? As well, you know, we've talked yeah. about it in the past with the Progress crowds going down. Them last few NXT UK TV tapings before, you know, COVID, the amount of photos that were coming out of there where you were seeing like whole empty sides of very, you know, relatively small arenas and things like that. So, you know, if you think about them going back to, you know, live shows and getting crowds and like they they ain't they ain't even probably going to be getting the crowds that they were getting like then really are they that sort of thing? So you think about the the cost of running the show, they might you know then that starts to lose money for them really, you know, against all this, all this cost base as well. So again, that's just another kind of like cross in the box for me. You know, there's, mm. there's, there's nothing from a, I can't see anything from a business standpoint that stands up, especially in light of this shift in, in WWE strategy. It just mm. nonsensical. It's a, uh, it's, it, it it feels like it's something that we're probably going to be talking a lot about in the next uh, next couple of months before De- Christmas. Uh, and maybe tomorrow on BWE, mate, um, to be released later this week. To <laughs> 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 age ourselves. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> Um, but uh, one quick yeah, you're point. doing a draft version of your homework due for tomorrow. So it's, <laughs> no, we're going to. Well, you said draft, mate. I thought you meant we're going to do a Brit Res draft, and we'll yeah, we'll sign all these great NXT UK free agents up to to all our great indies, and they can go work, work in front of forty people at WrestleMania <laughs> or whatever um, if they've got a ring and a referee. Um, but yeah, it's uh, before we move on from this stuff. And yeah, we've uh, spoke a lot about it all. Like you know. Just quickly on those NXT guys who got released, anybody you see worth anything in, like from that long list? I mean, just quickly, I was going to say, you know, you know, we mentioned Bronson yeah. being a surprise release. Bobby Fish, I don't know where he'll land. Ari Sterling is one. You know, Alex Zane is someone who, like, if I was running a Fed, I'd sign Alex Zane. Like, I don't know if AEW should. He seems like the type of person who'll turn up on dark or dark elevation at some point and maybe work his way to a contract that route but that's a very talented flyer who by the way summed up WWE's hiring policy over these last three years because mm. like we made crew he said that about us like listen he got famous from doing 450 splashes off of a bin why did WWE think it was a good idea he was never a WWE wrestler like that was so weird and yeah maybe he's where he belongs and he'll end up like doing more indies or potentially working his way to AEW one day. I, I see something in him. Um, Asher Hale um, is a, you know, he'll end up back team with JD Drake, I imagine. Um, but he's a talented, good-looking young wrestler who I think you could definitely do something with. And Mercedes Martinez is the other name that sticks out for me as someone who could definitely land on pretty much any women's division you can name, whether it's ROH, Impact, mm. a- or even AEW, um, and improve it. I think there's, there's definitely talent there uh, amongst those names. I think the Mercedes uh, Martinez one's the one that like jumps out to me as someone who, you know, you, you look at the effect of like a 
you know, Serena Deeb or someone like that. I think she's someone that can go into AW and across to like NWA, work with a lot of these younger you know, um, women wrestlers, and and again, like improve them and you know, you know, help to help take them on that step. I think she was the one that when I when I saw that name on the list, I was thinking, oh, I'd be all over that one. I think she'd be a great addition um, for from from that perspective. I mean, for the other names. For me, there was you know there was none there, and I was thinking like, oh yeah, this you know this person needs to go there and have that that big run, you know, even like what's he called, Bronson Reed, Jonah Rock, like even when he came over here for his run, like when Brit Rest was hot, and to me it was like you were watching Walter, you were watching Jeff Cobb was coming over at the time. I remember seeing Jonah Rocker then, and think people were like, oh Jonah Rock, and I was thinking. He's shite. He's fucking like he's just bang average to me. He was no more than Dave Mastiff or anyone. He was doing nothing that like kind of you know seemed to be a cut, cut above. And it's it surprised me that he's achieved the level that he that he has. And you know I'm pretty certain that he's somebody who yeah on a depleted indie scene is going to be like quite a quite a big name and he's he's going to get bookings and he's probably in a better position for it now. But again, he's certainly not you know he's not somebody I'd be looking at AW signing anytime ever kind of thing. I think I think the best suggestion that I saw this week, and I, I can't find the tweet, so I don't know who it was, so I can't credit them. But I saw somebody saying that like GCW should run a show called like Next or something like that, and they should <laughs> overtake this. They should like, just like flutter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should they should take they should take all these like decent indie wrestlers for mm. one show that NXT have released or WWE have released over the last twelve months, and put a show on of them just doing what they do best and like and it's just been like and this will just you, you know show them in their natural environment and it'll be a, probably a really fucking good enjoyable show and just show you actually you've got no idea how to book all these lads that you've just fucking stockpiled there and you know he's let, let's go out there and put a show on that'll be better than any episode of nxt this year and you know i think it'll be quite feasible for that to happen and I, again i'd fucking love to see it yeah, Paige and Stephen. Uh, I, I, I think you've gone through. Uh, that seems the absolute best suggestion. I don't think I can top anything for that. I don't. I, I, apart from Mercedes Martinez, and see anyone on AW's radar. I just wonder whether or not um, Russ Taylor and um, he's a good-looking lad, Alexander. Well, it's whether or not they'll go back into New Japan. Mm. Oh yeah, they were on strong, back into strong, and they yeah. were getting like kind of focused. Mm. And it should be noted that they're running a show in Texas, like mm. around Dallas. And they've like looking to sell a couple of thousand tickets, and then that's at the end of September. So it just makes you wonder. A lot of these guys are on thirty day release clauses, not ninety days. So, like, they're going to be out there a lot sooner than everybody else, and they're going to be, and because of the size of the contract, they're going to need to work. Mm. So I think the whole thing plays into the kind of independence at the moment. Really, I think more than anything else, mm. I think that's where there's going to be that kind of buzz, and that's where these that's needed. It's where a lot of them should have. It's where a lot of them should have been mm. making their names out on the indies, and then when they get signed, it's a big deal and it's a bigger chance, and that's what it actually means, mm. rather than getting stockpiled to do arm drags. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I suppose we should uh, move on. We did want to make some time uh, on top of all of uh, lots of news there, to be honest. NXT, NXT UK, mm-hmm. Pete Dunn, Adam Cole, all kind of flows together. But, you know, we did want to, you know, on the serious matter, to make some time to talk a little bit uh, to change gears about Bobby Eaton. Um, obviously, the, the mm-hmm. news uh, 
came uh, this last week of uh, of Beautiful Bobby in uh, dying. He was uh, obviously someone who I imagine was a big part of uh, you two guys' uh, fandom over the years. Uh, I don't say this lightly. Like I would never recommend go listen to the Jim Cornette podcast. But his podcast this week about Bob Bobby Eaton is very good. Like genuinely, like he comes across like a real person, to be honest, with real emotions, which is different for Cornette. But you know, goes through his career and talks about like his relationship with Bobby Eaton. It is genuinely, uh, genuinely uh, good radio. But you know, not just him. I've seen tributes coming from everywhere. You know, in wrestling, Bobby Eaton is clearly remembered as one of wrestling's nice guys. That you know, everyone had great things to say about. You know, both in ring and uh, and out of the ring as well. But you know, just focusing on. Uh, was mainly on on the in ring. I'm guessing, um, you know, uh, for you, JP, uh, Bobby, in a big part of uh, your wrestling fandom um, back in the uh, the 80s and early 90s, and yeah, someone who uh, definitely uh, left his mark uh, on wrestling. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, but the, the the combination I'm more familiar with because of that time period is him and Stan Lane mm-hmm. rather than him and Dennis Condry. Mm-hmm. That's only stuff I saw when I was older. Um, but they were always like on all of those videotapes they were always on like any of any of the wcw uh stuff and they were always generally in the match of the night mm. um because that's just the nature of it the u.s tag teams and, and me and gareth were talking pre-show i think there was a, a bit we stepped away we were just wanting to go off on a sidebar about that mm. but for him like you just because he wasn't like a great promo and he didn't have this great body it's so easy to kind of overlook him. But I went back today and before this, uh, I need to a proper catch up. I watched like the, it was like back-to-back matches from the Clash of the Champions 1 um, and the match where they lose to the Fantastics and they lose to the tag titles, the match that Meltzer gave five stars to. And it's just everything is on fucking point. This guy just had really good matches. That's what he was like as a as a professional wrestler. He had excellent matches. They like those, and because the Midnight Express weren't the top team, they were always featured on WCW Worldwide. So you'd see a lot of them. You'd see Cornette. Like it, it's just like a really big part of um, childhood. And I know on some of those daily updates, I'm very kind of like you know just being a prick basically at that, at that time of the day. But that one, when I saw the news, I was like quite, quite genuinely shocked because it's no age as well. Mm. Like kind of 62 in the pantheon of, he goes down as there's a very good argument for him being the best tag wrestler of all time. Like as someone who was the tag, because if you think of the tag teams he's involved in, and that's including like him and Arn, which weirdly ties in with the Terry Funk stuff because ECW played off on that as well with like the the Dangerous Alliance. But yeah, just like a, a, a brilliant worker. Them versus the Southern Boys. There's, there'll be them versus the Rock and Rolls. You know, they perfected the tag team formula and they played it down to an absolute T and he was the linchpin for making it work. And if you want to go back and watch that match against the Fantastics, the kind of heat they generate is just fucking incredible. So yeah. Gareth, Bobby Eaton. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're the same age, aren't we? We've been watching wrestling, you know, our, our wrestling sensibilities are very similar and, you know, obviously been WCW fans from that time. You know, I think a lot of uh, our appreciation with uh, Bobby Eaton's, you know, is similar and, you know, obviously again, we were talking about those US tag team um, title matches and just thinking about that place on the card where you had those 
you know, you're able to to to, to put those matches. Uh, same as you, I'm very much a Eaton and Stan Lane uh, man from from where my um, I suppose knowledge and heritage with this 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 team comes. And and yeah, I mean, I think you know, you just have to yeah the 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 matches the early 90s there you know the you know real good stuff with the the rock and rolls real good stuff with the 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 southern boys that was that was that was in there as well and and also i think as you've gone back and watched things as well i think their their diversity was shown as well with you know having good matches with the road warriors having good matches with the steiner brothers and things like that you know they could adapt their styles and 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 change you know change change accordingly and you know when it comes to in ring work you know often there's a lot that doesn't stand the test of time and there's plenty that we've watched in 12 months on flashbacks and things like that that you kind of go back and you're surprised or disappointed about that it wasn't quite as good as you remembered or things like that but yeah you know Bobby Eaton's one of those where you know you go in there and you you watch him and certainly watch the the stuff working with with a Stan Lane as 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 the midnights it just just stands the stands the the, the test of time and I was interested like it it almost feels like a backhanded compliment in in a way or it, or it really does kind of thing is I was pleased you you brought it up JP was was the look because for me like look and aesthetic is so important for for wrestlers and certainly me as like an early teenager you'd you know you'd want to be liking wrestlers who came across as being cool and that's something that bobby never <laughs> like kind of had from the from the mullet just from the you know never seen a gym in his life you know some of his gear some ring gear sometimes and things like that but to stand out above all of that amongst like kind of for me as like a judgmental teenager who's wanting to you know like cool looking wrestlers and just appreciating and enjoying the work that that, that, that he did to me that's something that always you know stands stands out that he's is someone who i'd be happy to have up there as like one of my favorites at the time and you know a lot of talk goes into the tag team run for me a big thing that comes is when he went into the uh it went into the the singles and there was that time period where mm. um, there was the NWA TV title became the WCW TV title, and you had kind of some interchanges where it went from like Arn Anderson to he had a long run. It went to Zenk, then it came back to Arn Anderson, then it went to Bobby Eaton, then it went to Stunning Steve Austin. And that time period there, it felt like those five lads that were just every week they were having really good TV matches across the uh, across the five of them there, and you know interchangeable to that point. And that's where like you saw a lot of lot of his singles work working with with those. And I mean the only match I've been able to go back and. Um, watch this weekend and amongst all the Terry Funk stuff was was watching Eaton beat uh Arn for the TV title at Super Brawl one. And again it's like it's a ten minute match and but you watch it now and you just look at it and you're just like like it's not a five star match, you know, it's a three and a half star match kind of thing. But it's a fucking good three and a half star match, and yeah. especially in amongst the dross that you're watching at that time as well. Like it really just stands out head and head and shoulders. And I think that's sort of like part of his career that's maybe overlooked a bit because he quickly transitioned from that into the Dangerous Alliance stuff with Arn. And then if you just think of like two tag workers being stuck together, you're sticking Bobby and Arn Anderson together. How is that ever going to be a bad tag team? It's not, and you know some of the some of the matches that they they had in and around that time, and then obviously building into that War Games match and things like that. You know, just a really really important part of that that whole time period of my early early wrestling fandom. And yeah, it's, I was 
gutted, you know, gutted to hear that he'd uh, it, it, it passed away. And it's uh, like like you say, JP, uh, no age at all, really. But you know, again, as as happens with wrestlers, and seems to happen, you know, increasingly often these uh, these heroes of youth um, unfortunately go. But you know, in, in in many ways, it's good that you kind of then get the opportunity to easily just go back and you know watch their best stuff and, you know, remember them. And, you know, it's great to hear them remembered in like such a positive light as well and hear all the tributes on other podcasts and people getting into the weeds, the different elements of it and picking out matches that you haven't seen and things like that and thinking, oh, I'll go back and watch that as well. And I think it's one that I'd certainly be saying if there's anyone like listening to this who's not as old as me (laughs) (laughs) and hasn't seen a lot of this stuff go back and just yeah just just give the give give the midnights a look you know some of that stuff but and give give some of the eden single stuff in the uh you know 1990 1991 a look as well because there's some some real entertaining stuff there yeah, maybe tune out a bit once you get to like the Blue Bloods era, and you know, him kind of, mm. he was one of them people who like you know obviously recognising how good he was and how good like the midnight stuff was on like the the early nineties WCW tapes I'd buy or like some of the eighties stuff I'd see, you know. Some of my memories of like kind of growing up with Bobby Eaton was seeing him a little bit out of place. On like, remember that odd nitro where he came in, he went Rey Mysterio. That one always sticks out to me as like, what a weird match that that took place on like a 1996 nitro. But he's not far out of his prime at that point, you know, you're only talking. It goes to the whole time point again, doesn't it? Like four or five years, a couple of years before that. In fact, the year before that, I think he was doing the Blue Blood stuff um, with, with Regal. Um, like, what was, was that after? Like, Bad Attitude was it after that? Like, kind of that era, wasn't it? It was like that was that was kind of you know Bobby and one of those many contracted WCW wrestlers that everyone knows how good he is, but he's just another name on a big spreadsheet, isn't he? And it's like ah, no one's really got a reasonable idea what to do with him, but. He's in WCW, you know, longer than you would think, you know, through to, you know, being still around backstage, still doing stuff at the power plant. You know, that was, uh, you know, another facet of his career. Obviously, the power plant's got maybe about as mixed a success rate as uh, the performance centre does. But, you know, he was still, you know, around at that point and still, you know, valued at that point. Like, he was still, you know, there and still had something to offer, really. It kind of says something about, like, the respect that he, that, he, that he had of his peers at that point, even still. And I, and I tell you what, you can keep your fucking 720 triple pike moonsaults, <laughs> um, you know, to the outside. Get Bobby Eaton on the top yes. of it, jumping fucking jam, 12 baby. foot in the air and landing an Alabama jam. Yeah. Fucking Hit that so perfectly, thing of, thing of beauty. Absolute yeah. thing of beauty, that thing. The height he got on that oh. and the, you know, the landing or, you know, it, it was one of those where you look now and you go like... It looked great, but it was as safe as fuck as yeah. well. And you just think, like, you know, that arch in his leg was always perfect, though, wasn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and the same thing, you know, obviously it's sad he died in his early 60s, but I don't think he had any serious long term like health issues from it, like from doing that. I know Hogan has definitely just from doing oh, his no, regular leg drop. Like, that probably says something to, uh, you know, how accomplished he was at hitting that thing. Oh, it's a thing of beauty. His timing in the ring. Is amazing. I, I've got. I've unfortunately got sidetracked with the whole age thing when that Rey Mysterio match was on. He was. I worked out. He was thirty-seven. Fuck off! So, no, he wasn't. Sorry. He was thirty-seven. I'm thirty-seven now, and I thought he was like fucking on death's door when I was a kid. That's terrifying. Twenty-five <laughs> years ago, mate. Fuck um, hell. So when he was in the War Games, he was thirty-three. <laughs> fucking hell. 
<laughs> just doing a, like what is it about the 90s these 90s wrestlers like oh, don't it's a terrifying game it's an absolutely God. terrifying game to just just think of that and just go wow well, that's mad though isn't but, it yeah, like, it, i know he never had the greatest look like gara said there you know that was the thing with him like you you were kind of sorrow to say but you're I'm not going to say polishing a turd, but, you know, something, a nicer way of saying that. You know, you put it, you drape him in nice gear and give him a nice jacket and put him in a nice team. But unfortunately, he looks like Bobby Eaton. That's that's just, that was just him. That was who he was. But, you know, I felt like he, he at least fit in, in, like, 1991. And then, like, we're talking about him, like, 1996. Like, he's this relic from the past, 37. That's terrifying. You, yeah, he, he would have, like, as Andy said in the chat there, he'd be making his first Raw appearance or under the previous regime getting signed to an NXT deal at that point. And, yeah, you know, the wrestling business didn't have much for him in the mainstream at that point. Crazy. I, t- I tell you what, if he didn't have a look, he had a theme tune, that fucking Midnight, uh, oh, Midnight Express tune. That's and I going know, on the wrestling style. No, they used the wrong one. They used the wrong one. They didn't use the Giorgio, proper Giorgio Moroder one from the film. From the film, That's the one you've got to use. That's going on this episode, I can guarantee. It's a great song. I was going to say, we're using that. We're using that theme yeah. for this episode, yeah. absolutely. 100%. I think I've already shared it with you, Benno. Like, I I've already got it, mate. It's on, like, it's on my, oh. like, it's in my music rotation. Like, I'm not saying it's because of Midnight. It's not even saying because it's because of Trent Acid. It's just a fucking great song. Um, no, that's fitting in. Uh, great. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely, again, yeah, another one, though, like, where, yeah, it's, it is. That's just wrestling, isn't it? Unfortunately, that, like, you know, it almost kind of rolls off your back, you know, someone like this. Um, passing at 62 but like i say i wouldn't easily recommend cornet material but i would say his podcast going through his mm-hmm. career was fantastic mentioned voices of wrestling there the job they did you know going through his career i highly recommend mm-hmm. and yeah it's great to see a lot of people like sharing those memories of him yeah there's a and i think as well it's just that appreciation of what makes a great tag wrestler mm-hmm. and it's, it's like you watch those matches against the fantastic it's all the little things it's the little ways they're getting their heat and it's the simplest kind of tricks, but they work and people are losing their fucking minds mm. at this stuff. It, it it kind of reminds you of what I imagine the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs were to kind of WWF audiences at that time. They were just like, they go out and have these absolute fucking killer matches and there'll be bugger all else going on really. Mm. But they'd be the, there's a reason why I think we remember them because they're the ones that there's a lot. We went back and watched Halloween Havoc 91. Like, you know, there's a lot of dross on these cards, more than the fucking videotapes, I might add. And their stuff always stood out. Why does it stand out? Why did Bret Hart stand out? Because fundamentally we knew, even if we didn't understand really how wrestling worked, we knew they were good. Like it was something that you just knew when you were watching it. And the same thing with Bobby Eaton. I couldn't like get bored watching Bobby Eaton. Like, and then you go back and watch these, you know, and most of his matches, sub 10 minutes. They're not hard watches. They move at an absolute pace. He ain't fucking around with like dull stuff. Mm. He really isn't. You know, he's not working chin locks in there. He's moving about for a fella who you think, well, he's not really, really sort of shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, even in the ECW arena in 95, and a lot of those people would be acting like pricks. They were loving Bobby Eaton coming out. They were like, for them, it was like, yeah, can really appreciate this guy because he's like, he's great. And he's coming in to do this story where he's teaming with Sabu, <laughs> which is mental when you think about it like that. And, and, and he's only 30. It shouldn't be real. And he's only 30. 
<laughs> fucking hell makes it even worse sorry what did you say I missed that I, I said there's only 30 something <laughs> Sabu <laughs> oh, terrifying uh, but yeah so yeah I mean I, I suppose um, moving on there from uh, from Bobby Eaton and yeah plenty of uh Plenty of uh, stuff to go out for uh, for people to watch and uh, and and do some homework and watching if you if you're not familiar with them already. But yeah, we're into the uh, somehow into the last hour of this podcast already, lads. It's flown by. We're not going four hours again like last week, promise. Uh, no. And we'll have to keep this brief uh, as far as like what we've been watching the last while. Of the show we'll do a proper AEW catch up next week, but maybe just hit the the big headlines from uh, from AEW. Um, I suppose the uh, biggest thing on the show was the uh, the Cody Rhodes Alistair Black match. Um, to get into that, I mean, that was, I mean, overall, this was not the most noteworthy Dynamite, was it? I mean, it still did well on the ratings, which is a, a good story, shows the momentum mm-hmm. the product as a whole has got when you've got a show like this where there wasn't, you know, unless you were particularly tuning in to see Juventud Guerrero or, you know, I suppose this Cody Rhodes uh, Malachi Bark match was a relatively big deal, something they could have put on a pay per view, but put on TV instead. You know, it says something about the product that that many people were still willing to tune in. Um, and it did seem strange, you know, Cody Malachi Black was taking place so you know early into the fuse and it felt like a bit of a blow-off but it felt a little bit more a little bit like it was another one of these cody situations where you know the attention span gets pulled and yeah i suppose the story was the uh the post-match and yes cody is getting off once again people had speculated that uh, the go big show was going to be the reason didn't expect him to go full terry funk and threaten his retirement uh, or full rick flair or whichever comparison you want to make this week he i mean yeah he lost one match so you know he's in there you know half 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 tier right about to take his boots off in what was a really awkward segment only cody could get away with it i will say there's only one wrestler on planet earth who would say he's dramatic enough for you to believe oh actually maybe he is at what's he he's probably like 36 um looking to to retire at the at this point there you go there's your bobby eating kind of connection maybe there's uh <laughs> maybe there's something in that but obviously it was uh the whole segment was there to one get alistair black slash tommy end over in the match and they achieved that and then yes the segment afterwards went long and you know cody was droning on a bit and you know i'll be honest once the alistair black kicked kicked his head off it was one of the few times in my life i will cheer for tommy end because i was just glad he shut the segment down but it felt like yeah maybe you know the the tease of retirement was just that and presumably he's going to go off to go big show come back later in the year and we'll get you know some kind of like resumption of this uh this tommy m feud um i don't know what did you guys uh make of all of that it was certainly a a strange segment uh if nothing else when it came to the match i was glad the match was booked like that because mm. it just felt like what they would what they kind of did with Brody lee didn't they where they came in and he's kind of like an elongated squash and i'm kind of fine with that in and of itself as a starting point mm. you've completely underestimated them now you've got to like kind of train Rocky style, which you know that Cody Rhodes would absolutely love to do. And then you, you, you know, you kind of go in and you, you do that. Uh, it's just the retirement stuff was bullshit. Like from the start of it, I was like, I don't believe this. It's not happening. This feels like a very dusty roads angle. Like, and it, it, I don't believe it. Like him being shell shocked and then Malachi black coming out and giving him a couple of extra kicks. I think that would have been better. Just the retirement stuff was hokey and I felt kind of embarrassed watching it because I don't, you never bought it for a second. It's like, no way he's fucking retiring. This bloke, 
it's just going to retire like that. It's just like, well, it doesn't. So there's an immediate credibility issue with that part of the angle for me that kind of like yeah. slightly sticks. But but overall, with the, how the match went, I'm kind of fine with it. Can somebody just get some wet wipes to Tommy uh, Black, though? Wipe the eye. <laughs> and go stop playing with the fucking colouring pens alright you're a grown man you're fine you've got a great look like as someone who wants to look like a fucking PlayStation character mm. like with his in terms of his in terms of his hair and his tattoos and the general stance and everything else when he starts talking about the things he thinks you know you start to you worry know, don't you you, you, do. you know like what these, you wouldn't be surprised would you? you know what these wrestlers are like these wrestlers the big ribbers for their handing him a telescope in the back to put a bit of ink around or something like that so he's <laughs> making him hold it up to his eye and take it away and good old classic uh, better you know, explanation it's not fucking police <laughs> academy though is it I mean like doing that oh. I was going to yeah, say, I, I was, I was, I was the same mm. in the post-match thing. It was just so I, I rewound it when, I, when he got to the bit where he was taking his boots off. I was thinking, what have I missed? Have, have I missed something here? And like, had yeah, to kind twenty of, like, years of career again, <laughs> to get away with this. I, I, I was thinking, what, what, what is going on? <laughs> like, like it just, mm. it was so ill-placed. It was so like incredible, unbelievable. I had no idea about that go big show thing. Like, in which, mm. in which case, if that is the case, yeah, it could have done without the retirement thing. But the match itself was booked. You know, spot on for me. For me, there make a, make um, Malachi Black look as good as you can mm-hmm. at this early stage, and then have Cody go away and come back. You know, when 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 Black is hotter from the back of this, and then presumably a, a, a bit of a run in the next sort of couple of weeks and months after this, and then bring Cody back to kind of avenge the loss against a, a, a hotter Malachi Black at that point. It felt like, yeah, this is a this is a good bit of business on on, on there, and to set that up like that. I think that'd be good for Cody as well. Like, is it me? Like, I know everyone in AEW, like if you did like a chart, everyone's momentum and popularity and stuff's gone up. Cody might be one of the ones where I actually think it might have gone down a little bit. Like, since remember how hot he at the start of AW, he was the biggest star there, and he felt like it. He was in the biggest programs, and then ever since he took himself out of the title picture, and we've had these haphazard feuds one after another that have gone a few weeks, and then he's moved on to something else, and then he's disappeared for three weeks to go do something else, and then he's off TV again. Like, he needs a bit of a reset i think i actually i don't want to see him off tv yet again but in some ways it might be a good thing because yeah i feel like cody Rhodes is one of the few things in aw that maybe not they're not actually they haven't gotten the most out of i don't think this last year and i feel like there's plenty of money to be made and maybe we need to go back to the drone board a little bit with him is that harsh and 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 it's one now. It's one of those as well where I, I did a total U-turn on him because I, I fucking hated Cody Rhodes. And then, but his presentation early on, like as they transitioned into the start of AW, suddenly I was like, I can't believe this, but I, I actually like Cody Rhodes kind of thing. It was I was enjoying his his his, his stuff right through that that early period. And yeah, he's he just sort of just feels a bit yeah. Gen- generic, unimportant, a little bit kind of thing, really. Certainly over the the the, the last few months and yeah i think it's it's one of those and it was interesting when 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 black did kick him there was plenty of cheers wasn't there from yeah. the crowd as well which which was a an interesting sign as uh, as well so yeah maybe it, maybe it is time to just sort of take a step back do your tv stuff you've got your young kids and things like that and let's say okay let's re- reevaluate what does what does the return in code roads look like and you know where do we go from from here 
Yeah, what's the best yeah, way to make money I'm, with them? Go ahead, JP. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, it, it, it's yeah, it, it, it's one of these things where you look at his feuds and about how haphazard they are, and you just think, how long he feuded with QT Marshall? What did that achieve? <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, the end of the day, like trust me, there was points when they first did that angle. I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. So what they're doing, nothing's happened. Go go like, thing went nowhere. I know there was the injury and oh. he wanted the big UK match, but I mean, yeah. yes, that's circumstance, but it's another yeah. one, isn't it? Another kind of unsatisfying feud, isn't it? And that's Penta. the problem. With his yeah, stuff. Remember that for the two weeks it happened, yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, like, why bother? I think the highlight of it was Penta wearing a fucking St. Patrick's Day hat, <laughs> like, if I remember rightly. That was the highlight of that feud. But it's just the fact that his storylines don't feel like they fit in with a lot else that's going on there at the He's moment. He's in the Codyverse? And certainly not stuff as hot. Mm. And it's, well, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because you just think of how hot his stuff was at various points, like the Brody Lee stuff. Like, I thought they did, like, a kind of jet, a brilliant job um, with that. But it's so much of it's just gone, like, very much off the boil. And I'm kind of predisposed to like him, but mm. I agree. I think there comes a point where you just quietly don't have him there and have him doing his reality TV stuff. Gauge the reaction of the crowd because the thing that we all know is he can do a great dickish heel. Mm. So him coming back as a heel is not like that crowd turning on is not something I'm bothered about in the slightest. Like I think it adds something to it if they start to turn on him because I think like he'll know what to do. And I think he'll there'll be a bit more meat in it. I know it doesn't fit in with the elite stuff at the moment, and I imagine that was something they would be planning for more a couple of years down the line, a Cody turn. But yeah, that could know. be a way of getting just them back to the just fancy title picture, couldn't yeah. it? I suppose if you went that route. But to Gareth's point before, like you'd have to, that, yeah, you'd have to have tried hard to get him booed. You know, a year ago, like the fact that like people were willingly going with Alistair Black mm. says everything, doesn't it? He was like the golden boy in AEW. Like, I one of my biggest talking points with AEW is how'd you turn any of these lads heel? Like, I know the elite have managed it, but you know, there was such support for them at the start that yeah, it does say something about how, how he's not even been handled, handled himself. You know, no, I don't think anyone else is to blame, to be honest. He's got the power to put these things right, and yeah, it's been a, a disappointing time for him. I might be making an excuse, but it's Jacksonville an issue. They've run there a lot. Mm-hmm. There isn't the freshness of Cody going to different places. Cody at Arthur Ashe, Cody at All Out. They might, it could be a very different kind of reaction. Good show. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, actually. Yeah, I think I think that the, the freshness of audience can, can have as, uh, as big a thing as the freshness of the wrestler itself, you know, himself. Yeah. Yeah, good shout, JP. I'd be interested to see how how he gets reactions elsewhere. Well, speaking of fresh wrestlers, um, the other big thing on this show is uh, a match straight. Speaking of Nitro 1996, <laughs> we saw uh, Hoover 2 Guerrero and, uh, and Chris Jericho kick off this show. And yeah, a match that was, uh, those first two minutes were certainly something, weren't they? Uh, <laughs> but Hoover, I feel like Hoover 2 is the one wrestler in the world that you don't want to put a mask back on. Because um, when, even when he was in WCW in 1996, he was fucking slipping off top ropes and was clunky as fuck. You know, I don't think. Like bringing it, back, especially against and and I, you know the the WCW law um, 
you know, supporter in me was not happy that Chris Jericho, the man who took the mask off Juventud Guerrera, I might say, in 1996, was the man that Juventud returned to wrestle and wore a mask for. Uh, no respect um, for the legacy of uh, of wrestling on TNT there. Didn't enjoy that one bit. But in all seriousness, I don't think it helped either because, yeah, there were loads of spots near the start of the match where they weren't on the same page, where they stopped and stared each other, at each other like you were watching a trainee match on a, you know, a Northwest Wrestling show. Um, it did get better. You know, it was still kind of, you know, a slow motion version of the uh, the 1996 match. And I think maybe it had a hot finish, but kind of cover for things that uh, Judas Effect yeah. off the top genuinely looked good. First time I've ever enjoyed the Judas Effect. That so. was fucking great. Yeah, credit to Jericho for pulling that off. And I think maybe the memory of that maybe wipes off some of the ugliness of the first part of the match, but there was a lot of ugliness. I couldn't get past the ugliness. Like, <laughs> I, I, I thought, I just thought this was bad. Actually, I, I forgot to put my rating in, but I was like, oh, I haven't rated it yet. Like I don't want to give it three. One and a half stars. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Would you? I'd be like, I wouldn't be going higher than the two, other than that finish, which should be a super finisher now. Mm. Like, Good point. Well, so we've lost him. Yeah, I went two and a half on it, and it was it got elevated to two and a half because of that finish. But mm. um, it's 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 one of those, isn't it? Where like at the end of the day, this wasn't about the match quality. This was about the nostalgia of seeing Hooventud in there in 2021 in a ring on TNT with Chris Jericho and, you know, all the, you know, flashbacks and just, you know, yeah, it looks sloppy and yeah, you're like, Oh God, I wish, I wish this was smoother and things like that. But for me, it was just like, I don't know. It was like smile on your face stuff really just to sort of see this match happening on TV in 2021 knowing that it's a it's a one and done style situation feeling like yeah it's nice for Hoovy to get this uh get this exposure and things like that again and you, you know get that get that position as well but yeah do i do i need to see him again in the ring anytime soon absolutely not do i need to see him on tv anytime soon <laughs> absolutely not you know so again it was it was one of those just in terms of taking this Jericho story on it was it was it was fine and fun for what it was but it was it, it was also good in many ways it made the it made the ending with Wardlow seem even more impactful to me that like you'd gone through this process where it had been a bit sort of sloppy and and, and things and a bit slow in parts and then you had suddenly like Wardlow piling in and looking like an absolute fucking machine mm-hmm. i think it made wardlow look almost twice as good uh when he when he came in at the end um because of like because of the way too. that this match had been presented previously like yeah. he looks great doesn't he yeah i love that booking like I, I mean obviously people were working themselves it a shoot like oh maybe it'll be landstorm maybe it'll be you know bringing up all these names from jericho's past like big show was another one floated that could have seen that happening as a way to get him in the ring now this is what you do like mjf is the last match and i believe he is in this Jericho series 
you know, who who better to be like, you know, that not quite final boss, but you know, level boss or whatever the the terminology would be than Wardlow. And they've done a lot of they've done a lot of teasing with this. Anytime there was like a you know a brawl between the two factions, they quite often square off and there were little moments where they'd like be staring at each other and going back and forth. They've been teasing this one like for a little while and I think it's gonna be uh you know, they've been very sparing, haven't they? We're putting Wardlow in the ring. Obviously everyone remembers the Cody Cage match and past that do you really remember much? Maybe a couple of gifts of his uh, great finish um, that thing he does in the corner where he needs people's faces off from dark maybe that springs to mind as well but in ring he hasn't really done much this is going to be a featured position for him on a show where it's probably going to be a bit of a gimmicky match and it's going to be a lot of Jericho selling and him working over Jericho maybe actually at a pace that suits Jericho a lot more than what they tried to do with this Hooven 2 match but I think that's going to be a a coming out party I think of sorts for Wardlow and it's going to be a, a good big spot for him Hi, JP. Hello. <laughs> I agree with all of what you said as my wife died. died. On Wardlow, <laughs> good for him. Yeah. I, I, I just, yeah, I, I think this will just be him absolutely destroying him mm-hmm. and him like walking out of the ring and MJF saying, right, I've destroyed you enough mm-hmm. and going to take you on. So I think it'll be one of those things where like, it won't, I don't know if it'll be like a Jericho fluke victory or something mm-hmm. along those lines. I think it'll just be a case of Wardlow beating the shit out of him. Mm. the end true so, yeah. that, that'd be quite sorry you just you just put the thought in my head that'd be quite nice that Wardlow just bats the shit out of him bats the shit out of him gets just DQ'd and then MJF does a right he's match number five and just pins Jericho or something <laughs> like that and just it's over like, that'd, been, that'd, that'd be a great bit of book in that <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think, like, all the big news covered out of, out of uh, Dynamite. Again, it wasn't a hugely outworthy show, was it? Um, and you can't, not every week can be, you know, uh, CM Punk gets quasi-announced. You know, it's all going to be, you know, we're going to have big weeks and we're going to have uh, low weeks. But I did think it's interesting that the, they seem to be inching towards Christian as uh, <laughs> Kenny Omega's next opponent. Do we see that being a pay-per-view match? I think maybe if they've got Punk and potentially Brian. I can see the temptation if you're AEW to be like, ah, you know, Kenny doesn't need to be in, in such a big match. You know, I think that there's some stories have come out about Hangman Page having, you know, I think is, is, uh, he's got a, there's a baby due. His wife's and, due. Yeah, his wife's due. So he mm-hmm. we might, might have been losing him around that time anyway. So, you know, we're going with plan B here. I don't know. How do we feel about plan B, Christian? It screams TV match to me, if I'm honest. Um, I don't know if they can get away with this as a, as a pay per view match. It's, it's for, for me. It's like I almost feel like they've brought him in and they've told him, like, "Yeah, you'll get a world title match," kind of thing. It's like in his contract or something like that. And it's a little bit like, "Okay, let's just let, let's just get this done because we, we've got to do it," kind of thing. Let's let's almost just get it done and out 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 of the way. It kind of almost has that feel about it to to, to me. I mean, I think it's hard not to think about one without thinking to me about the parallel of the the way hangman was presented on this show as well and this whole idea of him being separate from the dark order and you know evil evil uno and stewart um present preventing him from um you know the rest of the dark order getting in and um you know saving him at, at, at that point as well so where last week we kind of been speculating okay well where does this go from here i quite like this another kink step in the journey almost that it's like okay I've, I've had this bit of fun i've had this support and now i kind of i need to do this on my own you, you know and it's that kind of i don't know focus to to 
to, to that character. So it kind of almost feels like, yeah, you know, last week we were talking about they have got more thinking in where Hangman goes from here. And, you know, there, there is a bit of thought behind behind it. That kind of gave me like a bit of faith from that perspective. So I wasn't immediately just thinking like, oh, yeah, God, this absolutely needs to the main event uh, of the next pay-per-view this time around. Christian, for what it's worth, if this is selling out anyway, if it's doing decent pay-per-view numbers on the back of things like, you know, Punk and things like that, why not just throw it in now? It's 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 almost like, you know, old school, just, you know, throw a contender in there. It's another win for Kenny against somebody with a with a name. As much as Christian hasn't been setting the world on fire for me, he's, he's become the, you know, the king of the 2.5 to 3 star TV special. Like, he's, con- he's consistent. I'll give him that. You know, this match this week against the Blade, it was enjoyable enough for what it was it wasn't mm. up any trees I, there was nothing shit about it it was all like perfectly perfectly good and a you know decent decent tv match and you know i think if that's what happens at the pay-per-view then then yeah that'll be an issue but you know has he got it in his locker to step up in there against kenny omega and pull a four-star match randomly out you know out I, I think he probably has, and again, he's not winning the title anytime soon. He's not going to be at the top of the card, you know, you know, in the main, you know, consistently in the main events. So it just feels a little bit like, why not to me? It, uh, it doesn't. I don't think it. It's as big an issue. I think when Christian first came in, and we were all a bit like, oh god, like Christian getting pushed to the main event. It, it feels more like contender of the month rather than he's a fixture at the top of the main event. I think I'm, I'm holding my thoughts. Like I, I think, I think I'm gonna hate it. Like you say there about him, like being missed. He's Mister Average. Like you're not wrong. Of like the you know just having decent TV quality matches, but would I miss him if he wasn't there? Absolutely not. And when we talk about like oh, there's no way. There's, there's only so much room in AEW, and there is. You know, he'd be he'd be top of my list of things to scratch off the TV show to make room for you know Pete Dunne to come in or, or whoever else. But I will hold my judgment, I think, as to, you know, what else is happening at All Out. You know, what is the Punk situation? What is the Brian situation? Is this, in fact, an All Out match? You know, because they could swerve us and it could be just a big match for Rampage or something. Um, but I don't know. I reserve the right to complain, I suppose, is what I'm saying, JP. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just that if you, go, if you are having that All Out and you've got the choice between this great feud and ratings draw in him versus Adam Page, and in fact, what you're getting is... Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage, it's underwhelming for me. And that's the, I also think as well, like it depends how it's positioned on that card. I think that's the big thing. It's where's Brian and Punk fitting onto it. If if Punk's wrestling at all out, it's going to be his first match to so their main event with that. In which case, I'm kind of fine with it. For me, this would have worked better as a big TV match. I think that's where you'd probably get the most value out of putting Christian Cage on there. It's like, oh, Kenny Omega, who someone may will you know, a WWE fan may not have heard of, but they see Christian out there and they just think, oh, like that's the kind of, I, that's why I think the value is. I don't think anyone's going to buy this pay-per-view for this. Whereas I think people would have really bought the pay-per-view for Adam Page. And it just felt with the way they kind of took him out in some ways, and it's going to sound, and I get why they may not want to do it because it's his life. Mm. The story of him being off because his wife's giving birth is kind of perfect for the hangman character and the kind of indecision and everything else and say, actually, I can't, 
I've got this event going on and I can't be doing this. So I'm going to focus on this because this is kind of more important and you can do things like that. So like in some, I was kind of surprised that when I'd heard about it, I was like, actually, it sounds, I might just be a fucking carny, but like it's, it felt like the kind of thing that you could use as part of an angle mm. um, and, and a storyline for it. But I can't help but feel like I get all the reasons that Gareth said, it's fucking Christian in a main event in 2021 yeah like on a pay-per-view there's only four of them a year yeah and there's loads of contenders of the month Mm. so i'd sooner prefer and that crowd will turn on him Mm. they'll turn on him like it's not gonna get like a heel anyway i i was thinking that'd be the case but then with kenny omega they've done adam page is the time when they've got the most booze where Mm. like the crowd has been very like vocally supportive of Adam Page and not supportive at all of um, of Kenny Omega. And you could clearly tell he was kind of reveling on that. Mm. And now you're going to be going to a change dynamic. So no, I'm not particularly excited about it. It could be a good match though. Mm. To, to your that. point there, Benno, there, like if, if Punk isn't on the card... <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah. Then I'll be going. What? Then I'll be going. What the fuck are you doing? Because I see this as like that's CM two pay per view cycles in a row. Then isn't it where they've like they gave him Kenny the crap three way last time, which I just didn't rate at all and didn't feel like a big match. And yeah. then now this that becomes an issue where you're like, okay, lads, you need better. Long. I know the Hamman story is great, but you just need some. You need to be thinking these through, and you only got four pay per views a year. Yeah, because I, I I feel a bit like. They're going to draw what if if Punk's on there. They're going to draw, and Hangman and Kenny isn't going to add over and above what they're going to draw because of Punk. To 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 to, to me to to buy the to, to buy the pay per view, you know, I, I like I see it as almost been like, well, yeah, you want that, and then you want this. You, you almost want that standalone pay per view where it is right. This is Hangman and it's Omega, and it's all built around it's that. And the buy rate is driven is it driven by them and that's what it's all about. So I can see the logic behind this, but if Punk's not on the show and then like, <laughs> and, uh, and then it's, uh, and then it's just the main event is Kenny Omega against Christian Cage. Then I'll be like, my, my jaw's going to be hitting the floor, basically going like, what the fuck are you doing? But, um, mm. but <laughs> Punk's going to be on there, isn't he? Drawing people to buy pay-per-views. So fuck um, be, mate. <laughs> we waited long enough. <laughs> I've got my 2005 punk t-shirt ready for the night. Yeah, true. True. Got half a million. Like it was a massive fucking draw on expensive pay per view. That Mm. bloke. So yeah, I guess we'll see. And that's not his even natural environment. This is. Better be no swerves here. Better be coming. Um, Any any other thoughts on AEW before we move on? We have got quite a few other things. I suppose we want to briefly mention we've watched. Two very quick points, one of which is I really enjoyed the six man. A lot more than I thought I would do. The Moxley, Darby Allen, Eddie <laughs> Kingston versus 2.0, Daniel Garcia stuff. Partly because I thought they gave 2.0 and Daniel Garcia a lot for this. We're going to talk about Daniel Garcia in a bit as well. It was just fucking hilarious. Like Moxley coming out and Sting's there and Moxley's just looking, just going, it's Sting. Like, and there was a couple of points where they get in the photos and it felt very funny. And the spot that had been gift around of that bloke from 2.0 going, it's Sting, it's Sting, like and Darby Allen crashes into him. I thought that was kind of a, a, a great spot. Um, and then just how depressed I am about Andrade. Like, just how like we talk about these other things on there. It's just 
fucking it seems to just get more and more underwhelming by the week. Um, yeah. So they're like a couple of things that I wasn't particularly excited by. But um, but yeah, overall, like it felt like kind of more of a uh, if you miss this show, you're not really missing a lot in terms of like kind of big development. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I don't I can't I don't think there's anything of note to to add beyond that, other than my intrigue as to who Dan Lambert's bringing in and is his backup next week. Oh, yeah, but- that would have a great segment. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. <laughs> King Mo, King Mo, King Mo. <laughs> I don't know if that's Impact uh, JP or MLW JP speaking there, but either way, it's King Mo JP speaking. Uh, hopefully you get your dreams, mate. Mate, and it's always Dan Lambert JP. Like, I'm all that like, fucking bloke's brilliant. Mm. Well, to say, obviously I mean, you enjoyed you you enjoyed you, you enjoyed the Camille uh, Layla Hirsch visual as well. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking hell! <laughs> I regretted that tweet. <laughs> yes, very memeable uh, matches. All I'll say, <laughs> those two. It's quite a size difference, and there's some some lads out there that'll be into that. But hey, you found these for Layla Hirsch. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how it goes. Yeah, like. I'm glad it was Layla Hirsch because part of me thought they were literally mm. going to go with the bunny and she's not very good. I know Layla Hirsch is raw and at a very you know young stage in her career. I don't think she's all there yet either, but yeah, I'd rather see her in that spot. Um, and it, yeah, it's got to be a free There's show. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a real test because mm-hmm. Camille in there against good people has actually had not bad matches necessarily before but she's not great mm. like i'd be a bit worried about how this is going to turn out just on a kind of experience level because this is asking like if layla hirsch can pull something really good out here then she's probably a bit of a prodigy mm. and the fact that she is really strong as well means i think they're just setting up like some big suplex spots and the rest of it with camille that she'll be able to do and yeah like she's long 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 term projects as layla hirsch mm. Definitely, definitely. Um, we'll move on to some of the other stuff we've watched. I mean, I don't think we'll spend long on it. You mentioned Daniel Garcia there, JP, probably the most recent thing me and you have watched, um, IWTV um, at their 100 show uh, this this very weekend. Um, had a cracker um, of a main event. Uh, it got, I mean, first up, yes, I did say a one-hour match. <laughs> that is not going to be for everyone you know you might not be i'd expect people have you know obviously you mentioned daniel garcia was on aw this week wheeler Utah is doing you know he's been all over dark as far as like they've kind of made them like an honorary member of best friends haven't they so i imagine these two wrestlers are on people's radars but it's been a while since i've seen a an indie match have you know a buzz behind it like this one um and you know feels like you know we were joking about on the weekend show about um you know, this week, this past weekend, SCI taking place. It was a big weekend for it for independent wrestling in the US in general. Um, but yeah, this is the match that from this weekend has has grabbed all the headlines. And yeah, I would say say rightly so. You did squeeze this in, didn't you, JP? Before uh, before we went, we I did. Out. Yeah, yep. What you going on? And I thought this was great. Mm. I I really thought this was great. I thought it was an absolute, like you said, it was a cracker. Um, Our draws off button, isn't it? It was the kind like, of match. As, a, as, a, as an outsider, like, it is. we're on an uphill climb as far as selling this. I think we know this. 
I was predisposed to kind of not like it because I was like, I should watch it. There's some buzz about it, but it's an hour-long draw. Mm. So anyone who went into that and goes like, I, I don't think I'm willing to dedicate it. I get why you would do it, but I, I would say this is the match that the US Indies needed mm. and it needed it kind of badly. And I found myself kind of loving this just simply because of a lot of the simplicity of it. And they worked, there was a very kind of like the dynamic was really good between them as well. You, I mean, you had kind of Wheelie Uta working over Garcia's arm and ribs. Yeah. And then you've got Garcia kind of on the defensive throughout it, but he's creative enough to know how to do it. I mean, like, for example, doing like an abdominal stretch without using his left arm mm. and stuff like that because he's selling Loads it. Loads of little points like that. Absolutely James would be loving that. Fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. And I think the abdominal stretch, by the way, for an hour-long match, perfect and throughout all of these these holds they're working them like it looks like they're trying to find little combinations way out of it so that's the thing that never kind of dragged because you're expecting there to be rest holds obviously they're only fucking human beings but i thought like it was um like sorry it was the sharpshooter he did with one arm Mm -hmm. like i thought that just like a brilliant visual love the presentation of this as well can i add that into the mix um, I thought the commentators were as good as I've heard indie wrestling commentators for for a while. Like, I think one of them's Dylan Hales. Yeah. I don't know who the other guy was. But you know what they focused on? And the fact I didn't know who he was meant that this guy wasn't, it wasn't about him. It wasn't like, like Kevin Gill. He was just interested in calling a match and calling it in a really logical way. In a, as good a kind of presentation of indie wrestling compared to like the Mania weekend stuff. It was some tiny venue, hot crowd who are into it. Mm. Like I thought like, you know, and the fact that, you know, they were cheering. There was a point when they were doing like the referee was doing the 10 counts. They were both knocked up and they just all got up and did a standing ovation. At that, that was point brilliant. In time. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. It, 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 and I thought as well, like some of the stuff about like just the general story, like with Wheelie Uta being, and it's this character I've never seen him do is this kind of, He's a heel, but he's not like a kind of dastardly heel who cheats a lot and whatnot. He knows, for example, that anytime Garcia gets him in a submission, he needs to be near the ropes and mm. stuff like that. And they did the classic kind of ending for it. And they did it, and I thought they did it well, because it's a very, you know, to get the timing of it right. But the bell goes for the hour, and then he tapped right on as that happens as well. Mm. And I kind of, I, I, I like that stuff, and it made me interested in the title, even if they did that whole presentation with the the PWI acknowledging it as a world title, I love that. It's not like the top ten listings in my uh, day. IWCCW was in there, so you know. Uh, I don't know if it's a world title. It wasn't always fucking roses. You got to take it abroad first, in my opinion. I don't. I don't think they are. I, I saw like a lucha promotion making the offer, but you know, let's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's do that first, lads. Um, no, I mean, I was. We, oh, go. I was going to say, can we acknowledge the world in world title? Like, yeah, yeah. And Gabe was always really. big on that. I think it's right about so. the world theory. Mm. But like, yeah, I mean, the, the thing I'd say about this match is like, I'm I, I'm not one for long matches, especially long matches for long matches' sake. And there were definitely points early in the match where I was thinking, okay, I've, I've, what have I been sold here? Um, and, you know, I think the difference with this match, as well as, you know, you say the attention to detail and the work and the limb selling and all of that, which sounds right, the more I talk about it, right up your street, Gareth, I think, I think you will enjoy this one a lot. It's kind of like some of the longer matches maybe we've seen recently have happened in front of either clap crowds or no crowds, and you do lose my attention. 
And with this one, I think you, you know, hit the nail on the head, JP, the crowd were invested in this and invested in a level I'd forgot indie crowds can be invested in. Like you could tell when mm. say there was like, like you say, like a like the submission spot with one arm or there was like a, a cool spot with like a bit of selling it. The crowd knew what that moment meant. They weren't just clapping for the spot. They were clapping for what the spot meant for the match. Like, But like you mentioned there, the, the double down, which was just brilliant. It was just like, these are two exhausted men in a humid building who were killing each other. And it kind of gave the crowd a chance to kind of stand up and applaud and, you know, give the, the, the match some credit. The crowd were with them for every beat of this story and they didn't lose them at any point. Uh, I mean, I love the finish. Like, absolutely, you know, the... Basically, it was, you know, spoilers, skip along 60 seconds if you don't want to know. But, like, it was it was the whole, like, you know, he's got him in a submission, but about to hit the 60 minutes, and then, you know, the time that expires, just as he taps out, and just, you know, just as we might have a new champion, we, we didn't. I thought that was brilliant. I would have left it there, though. I didn't like any of the post-match stuff. Maybe that's a, a symptom of me maybe not being invested in the rest of the angles they were trying to sell in that post-match. I get it. You've got to build other matches and stuff, but I would have let this moment breathe. Like, this felt special in a way that a lot of, like, indie moments or matches haven't felt special in a long time, and I would have just left it. Maybe that's hindsight is twenty twenty, but, you know, bringing out a, mm. you know, who's who of people and doing, you know, a couple of beat-down angles and all of the other nonsense that was happening around the two lads who, were, who should have been getting all the attention and credit um, wasn't for me, but... You know, the 60 minutes of the match was. And yes, you know, 60 minutes is a lot there to ask of your time. But yeah, I think on this occasion, I'd say definitely worthwhile. And I'd, I'd probably, I'd give, it, I'd give it four stars on Grapple. I don't know if that's me being a harsh grader or not. I mean, I don't know if it was on Grapple. Sorry. No offense to either TV or Gareth. But what would you give it, JP? If you I'd go four and a half. <laughs> sorry. I, I, I'd go four and a half. I actually think this is like. I'm I'm interested in the rematch mm. immediately. Mm. That's where I kind of stand with it. And it's where like the last kind of big draw like that I saw was the Hayashishita versus Shuri match. Mm. And I'm sure as hell interested in the rematch for that when it comes up. So like I'm I'm good with this. And it felt like like do you know what? It it wasn't overblown. There was nothing really fancy going on here. It was like the closest to this I've seen. It wasn't like kind of entirely similar, but the same kind of dynamic and atmosphere for Shiazaki versus Segura. Mm. Like just an element of like a kind of battle of wills type stuff. And it felt very old fashioned mm. and old fashioned in a really good way. Mm. Like it made you focus on things that you don't normally do and moved so like a belly to back off the second rope really meant something in this match. Mm. And most of the time it doesn't. And it's nice to be reminded of that. Mm. Definitely. We sold you on it, Gareth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, listening to that, I'm sold. I, I was intrigued because I was going to say to you, what would you both rate it if it was on the app? Because depending on what you said, I was thinking maybe I should put it on the app. <laughs> but I've got a 4.25 there, average there. I'm a bit like, oh, well. There's a lot of fives maybe, I've heard, maybe I'll put, I mean, I'm only harsh I'll because I, I'm kind of like... I'm. I'm, I'm on the one hand, I am saying they made the hour work. On the other hand, I'd rather do that in half an hour. Sorry, that's just me. That's why I gave it four. But I got, I'm not saying the work was bad. And a lot of people went five or close to it um, who've maybe got a bit more patience than me. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try and make time for it. I'm off work for the next uh, 
week and a half. So when I'm not doing, when I've got a free hour of my day that I'm not doing a podcast, I'll try and sneak <laughs> it in. <laughs> oh, sometime by December then, yeah. <laughs> End of year time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be on it but it will be on people's lists so you know if you're a completist like Gareth uh, it is the, the type of match I think you need to check out did you see anything else from the weekend JP? so the other stuff I watched I caught up on a couple of matches from Stardom don't worry I won't be going into um, a lot of detail from them and I thought they were they were um, sort of three very good matches um, it was two Mayu Iwatami matches one she lost against Momo Watanabe um and the other one was when she beats Julia as well. And then the other match I saw was Micah versus Shuri. All of which I think I've gone like 3.75, 4, 4, or 4 stars on the app. Mm. I think, because I think all of them at a really good level. The great thing about this tournament is it's 20 minute time limit. So if draws happen, like it doesn't, it doesn't feel too long. And they're not doing draws all of the time. The other thing that's good about the 20 minutes is they've got that drama then towards the end. And I think it really adds. And so that takes you from that that 15 minutes to the 20 minute mark. And it does that as well. There's others from the weekend that I haven't caught up on yet that were on this weekend, uh, this weekend just gone. So yeah, I'd need to catch up on those. But starting off well, and my ratings are below what's on the app for them at the moment. So when looking at uh, five-star Grand Prix at the moment, it's looking like, I think the highest rated match is Maya Itani and, um, and Julia. And I want to say that's like around like a, a 4.2. So like there's, yeah, uh, 4.23 for Maya Itani, Momo, Watanabe and uh, for the Julia match it's 4.16 and there's a lot of stuff that's like three and a half there's other stuff I saw in there it's it's, it's good it's all at a certain level because everyone works like a motherfucker in mm. that place cool so stardom <laughs> catch up and at the minute the ties I haven't seen the weekend stuff so I haven't like but in terms of the, I did it on the daily update mm. it's basically like kind of everyone's getting wins over each other, but it works in this format because the blocks are very even. There's like, there's no Yujiro or Chase Owens in here. Like, they've got that goth clown, but she's not even that bad. <laughs> that sounds like a Vince gimmick, goth clown. TV with Alexa Bliss. Don't let him see that. She smokes cigarette in it. It's quite weird. She was forced to join the heel stable. And so now she just started dressing up like a goth. And smoking a cigarette in the cloud. She can wrestle. It's not like completely fucking useless or anything, but yeah. Reminds me of a lot of girls in my school, like when they went from like GCSEs to sixth form. Suddenly, uh, suddenly they started to smoke and wear a lot of black. <laughs> a lot of lads in my school, to be honest, too. Um, <laughs> uh, how about you, Gareth? Have you been up to, up to not where you're a goth who smoked? Have you uh, been up to uh, watching much over the uh, the last week or so you wanted to uh, catch us up on? Yeah, not anymore. I'm a 42 year old man. Um, <laughs> we all wear a lot of black, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> indeed. for a couple more we're, days. We're wrestling fans, aren't we? We've got to, <laughs> <laughs> got to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- the ones that, like last week, obviously we ran out of time last week, so these are a, a, a little bit more dated now, but there's, uh, there's just two Noah shows from, you know, the crossover between July, uh, July and um, August that just wanted to highlight there because um, there was the, the show on the 29th of July, which was the Congo-produced Diamond 4 show, 
and there was a match in that that it's just like it just feels like it's flown under the radar a little bit for me and it was um uh, Nakajima against Keo Kiyomiya and it was it was a match that I'd given 4.25 stars to that um I just really really enjoyed this was another one where it went to a time limit draw but um you maybe enjoy this more by now because it was only a 30 minute time limit draw as opposed to a 60 minute uh, time limit so draw but my language? it was a <laughs> it was a it was a it was just a match where it was i think like one of the things that just really stood out for me in this one was was Kiyomiya was he just came across like very physically dominant and really aggressive and early on he was like absolutely just dominating Nakajima with you know really strong grappling and real strong strikes and he was just very evasive and Nakajima couldn't land a lot of his kicks and things like that and and he just the start of the match just really got me and just really gripped me because it was Kiyomiya just had this side to him that just it was almost like the volume was just turned up a little bit more on him to you know some of the things that we've seen recently from him in the last six to 12, 12 months and you know Nakajima you know ultimately gets on on top he does a the old uh, Johnny Lawrence karate kid and sweeps the leg and uh, takes the uh, takes uh, takes um, Kimi's leg out from him and you know then then you get what you expect from Nakajima there he's just absolutely just destroying him with with some some brutal kicks and um, some brutal strikes but then again you just have that like real like fiery edge to to Kimiya there and like his, his his comebacks where you know he was just landing some like awesome you know, real big forearm uppercuts, and you know they got into, you know, a striking striking exchange where um, they were just all really laying in some massive um, forearms, and Nakajima was laying in some absolutely brutal ones, and then um, then um, there was just a great spot where uh, Kiyomiya landed a huge drop kick and just like quickly like. Um, moved it into like a bridge in German for a near fall again like I was just there with it at this point like I was I was really really so engaged uh, so engaged with it and you know ultimately um, ended you know towards the end there was like a big brain buster from Kimi who went for you know which was a near fall but then it was a time limit draw there just at, at, at the end but again it was just it was just one of these matches where it was just like really hard hitting it kind of really just sort of like overshot my expectations going into it it was the the, the pace of it you know you know i think the the way it was the way it was laid out that i think came here just came across like really like a, a, a different side to him almost yeah it was a, it was one of those where it almost felt like it was a world title fight it just felt like it had that feel to it it just had that big match feel to it you know even though it wasn't and even though it was in front of a tiny club crowd you just kind of just got absorbed into it and it's it's one that i'd like urge you know I'd, I'd urge anyone listening to me there to to go and go and watch it like i say i gave it 4.25 it's you know it's only averaging out at 3.93 on the app but if you if you like that style of match and you know it's you, you know way i've described it and kind of heard me describing the kind of matches that i like in the past you know then again i think it's one that you should uh, people should go and check out and and watch you know thoroughly and thoroughly enjoyed that one yeah. Did you get around to watching that at all, JP? I know last week you said you were maybe going to try and see it. I didn't know. I made a decision to watch a little bit of Stardom because I thought, okay, I'll, I'll watch it after the fact. I managed to find the show on DDT um, on Wrestle Universe. So I've kind of got it there. And like I say, I think the 
Sakuraba Marafuji is the is the other one. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the other match I just wanted to to highlight again. I mean, this one I've gone slightly lower on. It's three point seven five that I've given this, but again, this was another one for you know you know what you're getting with Sakuraba. You know, it's 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 going to be technical. It's going to be um, you know ground base a lot of you know going. Uh, you know, going for a lot of grappling and things like that, but it was it, it again just the just just the way it started. Like Sakuraba was just really on it, like he, he just wasn't fucking about at the start. It was I really enjoyed there where you know there was a lot of you know transitions across like arm bars and key locks and moras and things as he was he was just really you know working and building building in building that that match and and largely he was on top for the, pretty much the vast majority of the of the match as well and i quite like that that dynamic that you know, that he was he had that level of control and you know ultimately you know it was uh, you know marafuji with you know some big head kicks and some big strikes and things like that that just you know took it took it out of him and you you know you really had that sort of feeling of sakuraba going from that level of dominance but then a couple of big big strikes and um you, you know having that physical toll on him that he then you know he couldn't he, he couldn't actually then perform at the same level almost so it just like really put over that what marifuji had done and, and and again it was it was one of those where it wasn't um from a from a time limit point of view i hadn't written down what it was but there's no way it went more than 20 minutes if it did it didn't feel like it went more than 20 minutes so again it was just something that was really accessible and again if you're somebody who's likes you know technical grappling then it's something that was was again where there was a lot of a lot of small details but then the, the the match structure around it meant that it wasn't a boring grapple fuck style of match you know it was there was a lot going on it was busy it was been been worked aggressively as well as well from that standpoint so i definitely think uh both of those are, are worth a shout because because i feel like neither neither of those really has had a, had a lot of talk but if you could only pick one i'd be saying to you yeah go and watch that nakajima kiyomiya match because it's it's well worth anyone's time Fair enough. Sakuraba's 50 fucking two. And do you remember <laughs> some of the shit he had in New Japan? Terry Funk's age. That we're talking about 1987, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he's, honestly, his Noah run has been surprisingly good for mm. someone who really has no right looks like to be having kind of good matches. But yeah, fair play there. Yeah. There was a bit that I didn't like where it, it took his um, rash guard off and Marafuji was um, chopping him, and like he fucking cut him open like immediately, and then and then so Sakuraba was like turning his back, like and making him chop his back instead. And I didn't like that spot. That was <laughs> that was stupid. That kind of like pulled me out of it a, 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 a little bit. But yeah, in the whole, Sakuraba was was fucking great in that one. Um, he didn't need to take that. He's gone hour longs with fucking Grace. He's for God's sake <laughs> <laughs> doing that shit. <laughs> Um, the only other match I don't know if we if we mentioned it for me as well that that was on here again. It's only a three and a half star match, but again, if you're just looking for a nice, short, enjoyable thing to throw on, it's like Josh Alexander against Black Taurus say, from yeah. Impact Homecoming. Really enjoyed that match. Again, I don't want to go into the you know nitty gritty and detail of it, but if you you want something that's just like high speed, high energy, you know, power moves, hard hitting strikes, 
add, 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 add a bit of fucking everything. Just one of those matches where you can just sort of sit back and just watch the uh, watch the two go out and just 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 get lost in it and and, and yeah, quality quality stuff. A nice little hidden gem that on like a. Like the show gimmick, homecoming. Yeah. With I mean, there's a lot of homecoming shows this last week or so, but this was literally them doing like a homecoming king and queen type of thing where it was intergender tag matches, which, yeah. And there was a W. Morrissey main event, which actually I believe wasn't uh, too bad, was it? Eddie Edwards, he worked in the main event, but I did the same thing yeah. as you. I went straight to, uh, to Josh Alexander and, uh, and Black Taurus. And yeah, I mean, kind of says well, everything we've really been saying about Josh Alexander lately, isn't he? He's the absolute star of these impact shows and yeah i'm same as you got i went 3.75 on it but you know that's that's no slight it was a it was a very good 3.75 star match on a show that you know wasn't exactly it wasn't like it was bound for glory or slammiversary or whatever like they probably didn't need to work to the level they did but i thought it worked really well and black taurus is someone who's you know kind of been miscast i think as part of decay uh in impact it's a very weird role for him but you kind of forget how good he is like he was you know, right before lockdown, he TNT flew him over to Liverpool, didn't he? He was the type of wrestler who was, you know, he's filling up, you know, PWG cards. In fact, you know, last weekend he's that kind of guy who's uh, around doing those types of doing those types, fitting those types of roles, and can really go as far as like a big lucha guy goes. And yeah, I thought he was uh, great in the match as well. What did you give it, JP? I think I went three and a half on this one. Mm. I like with with you guys. I think I was just a bit knackered when I watched it, but it, I thought it was very, very good. And it just sort of adds to the things that you think that you guys have said about like sort of Josh Alexander as well. Mm. I was glad to see Black Taurus out of it. Mm. It's the diversity of opponents that he works with. Mm. I'm hoping to God, like Alexander is a guy who deserves to be seen by more people than mm. what he gets seen in impact at times. And for me, you know, you're just thinking you've got ultimately for the impact side, he's the guy you've got to build up to against mm. Kenny Omega. It kind of seems even more like a kind of a no-brainer for me. He's and, uh, regularly the highlight of these shows, even when we weren't happy about him doing that Ultimate X-Max six-man. Do you know what? That was fucking great fun. And he worked in that. It's like I haven't seen him do any much wrong. Do, do you know what I liked in this match as well? He, I thought he, he, when he was like fighting back from underneath... Like he sold really well, and his 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 comeback fighting from underneath was was really good. I felt like you were really rooting for him when he was when he and I was thinking, ah, uh, because obviously you've seen him in the tag team with Ethan Page and things, and this kind of like evolution in him now through the singles, and that was just a glimpse of him there where I just thought, ah, oh, I can see this as the as the as the babyface against Kenny Omega here. This was it was it was a side to him that just felt different on you and you I just thought like he was executing it brilliantly and it was just that little glimpse there that just made you think we've talked about him getting put into that spot as he got the tools for it is that the right role for him to be in going against Kenny Omega and this made me think do you know what yeah you know keep keep going down this route and yeah it could it could be the making of him it really could be a star making star making match that one Sealant's higher than Christian just saying you know <laughs> I think I'd be yeah. into this if the all of a sudden were like actually at all out the matches actually Josh Alexander from Impact's coming over like, yeah, you know what all right yeah uh, you have a bit of a moosey she energy way, too, you, but, you know <laughs> are you aware it's Kenny Omega Andrade this weekend Triple Mania yeah whenever Saturday night isn't it 
like because Friday night, New Japan Resurgence is four in the morning, and I was looking at this going, ah, Triple Mania's on at like one, but you know what, it's a Triple A, like it's like you know they'll be in the ring at three. Main event will be on like the next day. Like remember that time two years ago when we tried to watch it in Garrett's and we all ended up tapping out. Like (laughs) I wouldn't guarantee that that's even on Saturday. Never mind, going to be on time. But yeah, there that match is happening this week. Will there be English commentary? Who knows? Watch and try and find out. It's a it's a fucking. Yeah. Why WWE running a sloppy shop? My <laughs> God, Triple A like to do that. Oh, we'll we'll give it the full treatment on the weekend show, JP. Get the card up. We'll uh, we'll dissect it uh, and go into it. But no, that there takes us to a, a nice tight uh, three hours. We uh, almost went four last week with the uh, with the great Alan Farrell. Hope people enjoyed that. But we'll try not to uh, to make a habit of it. So we should probably uh, probably wrap up uh, before we do. Any uh, any plugs? Anything we want to mention, JP? Ah, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Yeah, brilliant. Gareth, same normal. As as always, get yourself on the uh, App Store, get yourself on Google Play, download that Grapple app and get your ratings in or even use it to find those hidden gems like Nakajima Kiyomiya. But not IWTV. Anywho, um, <laughs> maybe one day, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, by the way, give us nice star re- reviews and stuff like that on the podcast right? Oh, that'd be nice. And also- laugh if you want to. Oh, yeah. Speaking of star yeah. ratings, yeah, we'll, yeah. Take, we'll take them. Um, but also as well, yeah, Thursday night we'll be uh, be going live for a you know might not be everyone's cup of tea, but if you're into your, your fancy football or just want to hear us do some footy chat in general, Thursday nights on the uh, Grapple YouTube. But at nine o'clock we'll be uh, we'll be doing our uh, our fancy Premier League draft. So yeah, look forward to that weekend show on Friday. Uh, some t- classic TNA content coming to the Patreon as well. Stay tuned, patrons. But other than that, that's it for us for another show. We'll be back again next Monday. Bye. Cheers, all. Bye. <laughs> One, two, is this on? Ha. Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that triple H. Tell me who's time it is now. 